The following conversation is intended for mature audiences only. Those under the age of 18 or without a sense of humor, listener discretion is advised. There are all sorts of ways in which we love to do this. Amping up the mic. You know what I'm saying? Yeah! Welcome to the Mate Dates Podcast, where we make the dates with our mates. It's Bray and Jay back once again. And now to ask the most controversial question this month, Brayden. It's been on the minds of all political intelligentsia. Most polarizing question that's arisen on social media. What do you think of Joe Rogan's new studio? Oh, you were not going there. I'm going right there, dude. <laughs> oh, I'm seeing shit. that red on your face and I'm thinking, are you there already? <laughs> yes! That's it. I... He copied me, right? Because yeah, the true. red, I, I started the red. It's probably the just the amount, the sheer amount of like salt lamps he's got going on, burning up in in his crib. Uh, but yeah, it's weird, right? He's got this red hue. I think um, he described it as like a, a like you know the modern computer gamer computer has like all the RGB lights and stuff. Basically, he's inside one of those, like okay. <laughs> just a red <laughs> sun sauna, hyperbolic podcast chamber that's just radiating at all times i actually thought it looked all right like honestly uh now that they've like had time to set up the cameras and the lighting and so it doesn't look too uh i don't know cyberpunk-esque but the thing is i think a lot of people complaining about it actually don't know what joe's original setup was which was like a crazy color like it had like purple on Uh. one side and green on the other it was only recently where he had a studio that was just like american flag vanilla <laughs> like oh yeah so that's like I well, 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 that's that's like the era i know him of you know when he had he's got Jimi hendrix in the back uh elvis presley you know those the, the yeah. photos behind him um yeah he he does seem it like i can't help but think it reminds me of kenny rogers chicken in seinfeld oh yeah how how kramer can can't fall asleep at night because across the street kenny rogers chicken is just Blasting their oh, yeah. knee on the side. That's it, dude. Yeah, just you—you you go into Rogan's studio and you get some KFC. Like that's that's what it <laughs> basically is. You just get blasted with that red hue, man. I would prefer it if he had multiple colors going on, though. Yeah, like a like a rotation of of colors as the as the podcast went on. So like by the start, yeah. it's all tripped out, like green, yellow kind of thing. Yeah, that could look dope, you know, especially with some trimming. Mm. It's it's a little strange that it's just all this, it's, it's just saturated and smothered in just red. Um, but hey, I mean, I I got to be real as well. I didn't actually be real watch fun. many of many many of his uh, new episodes. I haven't watched many. I've only really listened to it. I watched a clip yeah. about. It was actually the sex robot clip. You know that that's what gets me to click on videos nowadays. Uh, but yeah, comments were saying 
I got oh, Joe's just ruined. Uh, it's getting redder by the episode. I can't. I can't deal with this. So, I don't know. If he's just trolling his audience, he's just making it progressively yeah. more red. But I love that idea actually. Like now that I think about it, if you could like have it change colors, but so slowly that it was like imperceptible. So like across an hour, it would just change from red to blue. But you don't know. It's so slow that you don't notice it transitioning. I think that could be pretty cool. But but uh, but the colors change enough to make you notice that they have changed. But you're like, yeah. wait, what? So you get lost in the conversation. The conversation takes you on a journey. You get transported, and, uh, man. Yeah, and <laughs> the, yeah <laughs> the experience, it brings you in even deeper. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Joe Rogan experience, that is, right? Brings you in even deeper in the story. And then so the, the conversation just takes its its own uh, path, its own journey. And... And the colors could could match that almost. Maybe Jamie could be behind the scenes going, mm. hooking it up, hooking it up for yeah. sure. Well, okay. Before we move off uh, our Lord and Savior Joe Rogan, let's just <laughs> let me just ask you about what you think. Uh, I don't know if you followed this, but since the Spotify uh, transition, which you know, if you're unaware, basically Joe Rogan is now going to be exclusively on Spotify in a few months. Actually, I think in, starting in December. And that was a, a deal that scored him a bunch of money. There were various numbers, 500 mil, 900 mil, but no one really knows the exact number, something huge. And in the process of that now, transferring the library over, Spotify employees uh, basically forced the company to censor a few episodes, notably Alex Jones. Uh, the, the, both of his appearances have been removed, so you can't find them on Spotify. And on top of that, they're now requesting that they give uh, Joe Rogan should give Spotify editorial oversight, the ability to put in trigger warnings, the ability to, you know, if well, they don't like an, an episode topic, they could maybe cancel it or, or like say to Joe, no, we don't like that. And this is a small, this is a small sect of Spotify employees within Spotify. And, the, and just of today, they're threatening to strike if they don't get the editorial oversight that they want. And my whole thing is, is like, well... Shit. If you get what you want, I'm sorry, Joe is going to be much less valuable, like, in a second, right? His whole appeal is that, you know, no one's no one's uh, checking his boxes. It's just him. So, you know, you, you're going to lose, like, half the half the listeners overnight if you implement that. It's such a fool, foolish thing to do. His whole brand is, like, I'm speaking my truth. I don't give a fuck. And uh, so, I don't know, how much did you follow of that? And what do you think of the whole... Uh, it, it took it took like one day for this to blow up <laughs> in terms of uh, you know where we are I guess in terms of what what's allowed to be spoken of. It's amazing my um, my adventures on Reddit don't really take me to these uh, corners of the web. Uh, that is that's crazy. Like this is fresh news for me. I think that has to be. I don't know. Like was that was that detailed in the contract at all? Is Joe, is Joe locked in to a certain amount of time with Spotify? Can he just say, screw you guys, I'm just going to do my own thing anyway? Yeah, but no one really uh, knows. Like, it's not really worked out. Like, the thing the thing about this story that was fascinating is that, you know, he tr he went to the new studio, and that's when the whole initial thing started coming up with Spotify, because the library just went live, and people noticed immediately, oh, there are episodes censored, what's going on? And his initial thing was, oh, it's just a glitch, don't worry about it. Um, and I was, I was very like a bit weirded out because on the first episode he had Adam carry on, 
Um, and he's talking to Adam Curry, who's also a fellow very original podcaster who was one of the first. And the whole episode, he didn't address the Spotify thing. Um, <laughs> but he kept saying, I just believe everyone should be able to, ha- to talk. I believe we should all... We should not be censoring people. Just let everyone speak and we can figure it out. But he said that like four or five times, like really heavily alluding to something. So it seemed weird to, to have that to have that in the podcast, this this total commitment to freedom of speech, to just letting people talk regardless of the content of their views. And then along and then this kind of Spotify thing hung over everything every time he brought it up. It's like, but you're not mentioning that. And then it's come out after the fact that it wasn't just a glitch. There is infighting within Spotify. And as you say, with the with regards to Joe's contract, I think the reason why he hasn't spoken up about it is because he's 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 letting Spotify figure it out. He's trying to give spot because the CEO of Spotify, I forgot his name, but he's basically come out and said, We're not going to be appeasing every one of these people. Like he, there was, uh, you know, the fa- infamous episode of the transgender uh, writer who made the argument that a lot of young girls are now spontaneously becoming trans in their friendship circles where they where, where you have cluster effects. And uh, Joe got, you know, labeled a transphobe for having that episode up. The Spotify CEO came out and said, even though, it, like, it, I, hate, I hate conceding this ground, but he goes, even though it's transphobic, we want Joe to have the freedom to, to have that episode online. So that episode's up, I believe now. Um, so the contract stuff is interesting, right? Can Joe just, if this is allowed to happen on Spotify's end, can Joe just say, well, then this deal is null and void because in my contract it says I have full oversight and you're not allowed to tell me what I can do. So therefore, you know, we're done. Because the thing is, if you watch his show, he's not concerned at all about um, losing his control. You don't get that vibe at all. Yeah. I, think, I think he's he hasn't said anything because he's trying to give them the space to figure it out within their own house if you know what i mean yeah yeah and the thing with like joe is like he is someone who can get away with probably more than other people but it should be also like a precedent right like if joe's able to get away with just speaking his mind and having these real conversations with no real filter on it yeah then that should really trickle down to everyone else well dude it's like what <laughs> When Joe Rogan is a controversial figure, where are we? Like, but isn't that just the not, norm? He's not that's a Nazi. Like the norm. He's not. Yeah, he's not. <laughs> he is. That's that's why it's so bizarre. It's like it's such a yeah. And and we're not going to get political this episode. There's going to be plenty of weeks for that. I'm sure when we're just going to be <laughs> inundated with shit 24 seven. So we'll, I'm sure we'll do some specials. Uh, you know. But for now, it's just let's. It's just suffice to say, it's totally telling of where we're at if Joe Rogan is the most controversial figure. It's like, wow. Like, he he could not be more, like, of a, of a just, you know, live and let live guy. And it's like, how is he your Nazi? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. It's so strange. Things are a little bit twisted if that's the case. Yeah. Well, you'd think you'd have some self-reflection and be like, well, maybe this guy is not the villain I think he is uh, because he's willing to talk to people that disagree with him. <laughs> what a sin. Yeah. <laughs> what, a, what a modern sin that has become, right? Yeah, uh, dude. Like, the, the ball is definitely in Spotify's park. Like, you know, Joe has all the cards. He could leave at any time, any point. He has the power. Spotify is just they're trying to play, like, kind of a nanny state on him. And if that keeps going... 
then that's just not going to work out. Like, Well, uh, it's interesting, right? Because the whole point of the deal was that it, it was a way to get away from YouTube's censorship of his program. And wow. so, yep. you know, that was the whole point. And so it's just, it's just like almost it, instantly it, it fell into chaos on Spotify's end. So, you know, we'll see where it goes, I suppose. <laughs> it's a little uh, ironic. It's it is, definitely yeah, a little ironic. Sure, trying, to, trying to run away from censorship only for it to follow you. Dude, yeah, you can't escape it, um, and that was, uh, you know. So, so let, let me get this straight. Sorry, okay. they were going back on past and previous episodes and censoring them on Spotify, like uh, when they yeah, just taking them were transferred over. Yeah, just just not making them available. But they were on the internet for so long, and then like to do that now just seems so out of touch. It's like the damage is done almost. Like, yeah. and what damage was there? Yeah, that's right. Well, th- these people have the attitude that, um, I don't know, if, if like some dummy goes la-di-da, scrolls through the uh, the library of Joe uh, Rogan and, and stumbles upon um, one of those problematic episodes, they'll just be infected by the, that person's view and they have no guard against it. Like, th- th- the attitude of the yeah. people who want to censor things, I think they just view um, people as stupid or something. I they have a very contemptuous view of human nature and... I think uh, in order to have any uh, sensible view of free speech and debate, you actually do have to think that human nature is worth something. You actually, you actually, you actually have to think that we can rise above our uh, instincts and our tribal yeah. nature to have a conversation. Now, it just, it just, it betrays that those people don't think that that's possible. So, as you say, these episodes have been available. They were Alex Jones is the most popular episode that he's ever done. By a country mile. Um, so the idea that you're just going to take it off now and that's going to have some impact, <laughs> maybe it will, but it's like, as you say, you, you can find it if you want to find it. And the idea as well that anyone watches that episode and goes, oh yeah, Alex Jones is a super reasonable guy, actually. Like he's yeah. talking about interdimensional child rapists and like oh. <laughs> all you're watching that for is the hilarity of Alex Jones because... Like, you know, you hate to admit it, but the guy is funny. He actually, if you're able to look at him as more of a clown than a, you know, serious reporter, uh, which is maybe not what he wants, but that, I don't care. It's just what he is, right? <laughs> like, um, I, 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 yeah, it's, it's weird, isn't it? But let, let's transition off Joe. We can leave him for a while. He can, he's doing just fine on, on his own with his terrible yeah. studio that everyone's hating on. Um, <laughs> we'll keep tabs on his we'll uh, KFC. Yeah, just... yeah. We'll... <laughs> We'll keep them tuned in, but um, <laughs> uh, good. That seems like a good time to take a break. And in the next episode, we're talking about the latest gen news and the previous gen uh, games that we enjoy. So stay tuned for a little bit of that.
Welcome back to the Mate Dates Podcast. In this segment of the show, we're going to talk about all the latest and greatest in the video games uh, world. Of course, now we've had Sony give their PS5 full reveal. We both have them in the bag. Thankfully, we weren't uh, victims of the pre-order drama. Uh, I think it's oh because basically we, we woke up in Australia like as the conference finished. So, you know, if you were overseas and you watched the conference at night and Sony said explicitly, hey, don't sweat it, you know, they'll be up tomorrow, man, go to sleep, and you just got wrecked, didn't you? But luckily for us, we were... Uh, You know what, though? I mean, you're saying saying I'm in this boat with you, but honestly, like, uh, didn't didn't play out like that for me. Like, for me, a little different. Okay, so let, let me just give you a little brief of, like, how I was able to manage to snag a PS5 pre-order, okay? And it's all thanks to you. It is all (laughs) thanks to you, my friend. Okay, I wouldn't be so happy right now if it weren't for your message saying that pre-orders are live, okay? Okay. So, like, when that uh, event went live, the PS5 showcase, that started at, what, 6 a.m. for us? 6 a.m. our time, yeah. So... I went to bed late that night and like I think it had a couple hours of sleep to wake up for it. Like I'm just that crazy. I want to get it. Like I want to watch it live. I want to experience all the news as it leaks from the, you know, the teeth of Mr. Sony man himself. And uh, after the conference and then, yeah, no word of pre-orders in that conference at all. Like from what I can understand, people were saying, yeah, pre-orders live tomorrow. Maybe that was a tweet or something I, I didn't catch, but. So I went back to sleep after that showcase. I didn't stay up because I was only running on a couple hours sleep. I just, you know, wanted to get a bit more under my belt before I started the day. And I woke up at about, I think it was about 11 a.m. And I saw your message saying that, oh, pre-orders are live on EB Games. So I, like, in a frantic, like, panic, I was like, what? So, like, half asleep, like, oh, my phone, like, what is this? Yeah, yeah. Pulling it up, yeah. I went to EB Games, sold out. But my heart just sank. I was like, no way, that, this can't be real. Oh. It's not even, I I couldn't believe that they actually just, like, let it go. Like, let the pre-orders go live without yeah. much of a notice at all. Especially since they were silent for so long. It said, the silence said to me that they had a grand plan. You know, it was like, settle down, young Timmy. You know, you'll get your PS5. We, you know, there's that, and that quote, that, that interview that's circulating nowadays uh, about how, oh, don't worry, with Jeff Keighley, uh, don't worry, the, the pre-orders won't go live within a minute's notice. Yeah. And everyone's, you know, sharing that going, yeah, like, happened, I missed out. I missed out. <laughs> and, uh, this totally happened, so this was a blatant lie, but um, no, I, I was able to get onto Amazon and notice that there were still stocks left, so I couldn't believe it. I, you know, even when I had it in the bag and purchased or whatever, it just, it still doesn't, like, feel real, but uh, yeah, fingers crossed. I know a lot okay. of people from Amazon who ordered from Amazon have received uh, some sort of an email update saying, oh, sorry, we... We must have misplaced our or misorganized our stocks and you will be in the second wave next year or whatever. I haven't received anything like that, so not yet. But um, but yeah. It's a launch edition as far as you are aware. Yeah, like it, I, 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 I'm a prime member, 
but I also clicked like, so I should have got free delivery, but I clicked like priority delivery, another like $5 on top of that. Like oh, yeah. we're not, I'm not messing around. Like, uh, yeah, I want this thing. I want this thing November 12th. Like, uh, it, just like all the other Aussies, all the other Westerners, except for Europe, unfortunately they have to wait another week, but you know, uh, patience is a virtue. So <laughs> Correct, <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, how did you like know uh, that the pre-orders were live at all? Was I, just, I had just taken it. Literally, I was uh, just taking a shit, reading the news, and and then <laughs> I guess I'll just check EB Games. Oh, it's it's live, cool. Pre-order done. Like I was just, it was honestly just just timing. It was just convenience. Oh, and you actually know, yeah, I I I just googled EB Games and it popped up with like the, um, mm. them putting on Twitter, hey, our pre-orders are live. And I think just to um just yeah to get out what you were saying about. Like the grand plan, mm-hmm. I think maybe there, there could have been some like top-down order from Sony to all the retailers saying, "Hey, the embargo." I'm sure there was an embargo. I'm sure there was something. The problem that you have, dude, and it happened with Xbox too, is that the second one retailer breaks the embargo, it's a free-for-all. Like, because then you're losing money if you don't uh, put your uh, put your pre-order up. So, like, it just becomes a factor. Like, well, if even if, like, someone from America can... Because EB Games is Australian. Even if EB Games put it up, someone from America could could get a, an Australian pre-order reserved for themselves, right? And so there's an argument that even American retailers have to open up now because just EB Games is opened up for Australia. Yeah. So it's... Uh, That's a good point. And, and really, they're only doing it because time zones. Like, there's no reason to um, wait for them, I guess. Um, but I guess that's where uh, I come down, is that I don't see why Sony gets the... The, yeah. the, the backlash there because it's really the retailers and it's no individual retailer unless you can pinpoint who broke first um, which I'm not sure yeah. anyone has uh, but like you said I mean can you really blame the retailers they just want the money uh, yeah I don't know I think it, I think just coupled with that misfortunate quote of like yeah, what, yeah, they, yeah. what Sony said and then what actually happened people just put together like you lied uh, <laughs> yeah exactly well let's put together another unfortunate quote um, to, to put a cap on uh, our next-gen discussion here. And we'll keep talking about next-gen stuff, of course, as we lead up to uh, the launch here, because um, I'm sure there's going to be more to talk about, uh, given oh, yeah. that hopefully we both have the console on the <laughs> um, on, yeah. But another unfortunate quote haunted Sony this, uh, this past week, and that is the idea that they believe, quote-unquote, in generations. And they, I believe this was said after Microsoft got their backlash for... Um, being accused of hobbling games like Halo Infinite um, so they could run on the previous-gen Xbox One. And so in that sense, they're not making a next-gen experience. And this was, of course, leveled at Sony now, this accusation, because we got to see uh, games in there unveiling, including Spider-Man, Miles Morel, uh, uh, The New Horizon. Um, Demon Souls? Demon Souls, I wasn't going to mention just yet, because that's not going to be on PS4. There was one other game... That was oh. on PS4. That was uh... not um Sackboy. No, Sacky Boy. No, not, <laughs> not our not our favorite. Um, but anyway, yeah. Uh, but those ones, yes, yeah. yeah they they are. Mm. It's a it's a popular one too. I it's just, I'm blanking on it, but um, yeah, I... yeah. That th- those games are being on released on PS4 as well as um, as well as PS5. So, what do you think of this? Do uh, Sony uh, right rightfully getting criticized for? Um, 
you know, doing exactly the same thing. The, as you say, the only exclusive we actually have on PS5 is going to be Demon Souls, and even that is going to be on PC, some are speculating. Um, so there are no real genuine exclusives. Is that a problem? Do you give a shit? Are people crying about bullshit? Uh, somewhat. Um, like, I understand the arguments on both sides, right? Like, if you have a... Like, what you thought was a PS5 exclusive in the form of Miles Morales, it's like, you would expect them to be able to really achieve the potential of the PS5 and not be held back by old hardware, right? Like, that's the that's the issue. It's like, oh, yeah. we can't actually make this game look as good as we want it to because we have to actually cater for the old tech. So... Yeah, that kind of sucks. But at the same time, from what I understand, it's like it, this is only happening in this launch period. Like, there's there's only these um, crossover games happening within like the the first four months or something of the console. After that, PS5 exclusives will be exclusive, like only available to play on the new console. So that gives me peace of mind that this is a worthy investment. We're not getting shorthanded or anything. What is actually happening is those people who have missed out on PS5 pre-orders and are getting it next year or whatever, they can actually join in on the conversation. They can still play the games that all of us, you know, hipsters are playing on our new tech uh, with our 40 goggles or something. No, we don't get 40 goggles, but uh, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> whatever that is. Um, but yeah, I think I think, you know, you got to look at it from a business perspective because ultimately that's what we're talking about. You know, the the name of the game is to make the most amount of money, right? And with 110 million PS4s in the wild and only a million or whatever, however many that they were actually able to make of the PS5, why would they isolate a game on the new hardware when there is 100 times that amount Already there, willing to go. Spider-Man 1, you know, 2018, ran fine on PS4. There's no reason why Miles Morales can't, in a way, right? So it, it should be the same engine, everything like that. It'll just be enhanced for PS5. So if you are playing on PS5, it's still you'll still get the added benefits to that. Right, and that's the argument, right, is to say, um, look, you have to look, like, that's Sony's argument, is you have to look at it realistically, uh, you stupid little stands, we got to make money on this <laughs> thing. Uh, as you say, there is, yeah, in terms of just market uh, product value, the PS4 uh, is far more ubiquitous in terms of consoles, so we've got to make far more money. Now, the argument would be, okay, fair enough, but why did you claim then that the PS4 remote couldn't be it was impossible for it to work right if the game is going to be cross-play why won't the controller be it's it's uh, so a lot of people were bringing this stuff up in light of you know sony doing that so yeah i, I totally see your point for sure but i i also think maybe there was a because also as well during the showcase they didn't they didn't portray these games as cross-play they portrayed it as this is the launch mm. lineup for ps5 um, and so I, I do understand that frustration on from the stands on some level because you do want to feel like you get that thing on day one and you have a whole new like experience of exclusive yeah. exclusivity is, is, is you know it is a special thing isn't it it's like you do want to have you do want to and I'm sure Demon Souls will fill that niche uh, on launch day <coughs> and hopefully something else in the meantime if we get uh, an announcement but 
Yeah. Can, can you can you empathize with people feeling like um, that what they're just basically getting is a meatier PS4 uh, for, <laughs> for a few months until some games come out? I mean, this is just the path of the course in terms of new console generations, it feels. Uh, you look back at the PS4, the sound of the PS4 generation, which we will. Um, yes. That that was pretty bare bones. There was really nothing to play. There was no like console sellers as you know per se uh, at the start. What happens is the the catalog matures over time, and that's what really drives the sales of these consoles. It's not the first day because what you're getting on the first day is catered towards a different audience rather than. You know, you could have people that want to just play the new games, and they can. They can do that on their PS4. And if they buy it on PS4, they'll get the cross uh, buy. So if they buy Miles, Miles Morales on PS4, they'll have it on PS5 when they are able to get one. So it's kind of this one purchase. It doesn't feel like there's too much bad blood there. And, um, yeah, they try they, they try to just make it as, as convenient as possible for you. Um but yeah, I don't know. Like, what, I mean, what are people's expectations, right? Because for me, the most exciting thing about the next uh, this PS5 coming up is uh, the controller. I just want to feel the controller. The uh, the fact that the the triggers can like lock in depending mm. on what's happening in the game. They can change the resistance of the triggers to make it like harder to push, or you yeah. know, the haptic feedback. Like, you'll feel it in your wrists or something. Like. The yeah. tapping, uh, all yeah, that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah. Because no one's really been able to to feel it. We, we, you can't. That's something you just can't do. You can't <laughs> yeah, physically, true. physically like portray on a YouTube video or on a screen. Like it's it's much more that's tactile that, uh, and hands-on. I mean, that's that four dimensions right there, baby. <laughs> Get that controller moving. Um, but hey, as you said, yeah. you know, yeah, it could be just a matter of you know sucking it up it's a launch the launch year um and as you said the previous launch year which we can go into now for the ps4 and the xbox one had similar uh you know similar kind of lackluster things coming out at the time i think maybe most notably infamous second son was like the only thing you could really get a lot of hours out of and that was on ps3 right was it no uh no no No. so okay well there's maybe a good example to the contrary i I think (laughs) I think the older generations were harsher on that. That's that's actually something that happened a lot with that crossover PS3 to PS4. Yeah. Was that you had to rebuy your games. You yeah, it like wasn't as Yeah, yeah, even Last of Us, right? Like yeah. the fact that that came, if that happened again this year well, I mean, hey, Last of Us 2 did come out. I don't really know. Like I was going to say it wouldn't fly, but who knows? Like <laughs> who knows? Last yeah. of Us 2 re remastered. Oh jeez! Oh jeez! Okay. With, with, well, let's. With uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, okay, we're gonna go through each year, give you a little, yeah, recap of some <clears throat> games we uh, we enjoyed from the last generation. So eight in total from 2013 to 2020 to put a bow on it. Um, Xbox One, PS4. Who won in the end? Who won? Who's next? <laughs> You decide. <laughs> uh, no, nah, it was obviously PS4. I could even say that as a Microsoft fanboy coming off my Xbox 360 days. Uh, the PS4, I think, absolutely 
showed uh, so many more exclusive, like just masterpiece games. I think Microsoft have lagged behind, but I think the story of, of Microsoft is coming back with the Game Pass, you know, at the end and, and PlayStation now copying that with the PlayStation Plus collection uh, for mm. the PS5. So that's going to be a, another story down the line. But let's start at 2013. I have a feeling we might have the same one here because of that launch year being so dry and barren. Of course, we both pick Knack. <laughs> no, you, you, you give me yours and I'll see if mine's the same. Oh, jeez. You, you know, uh, I didn't even think of Knack. <laughs> that was totally a PS4 launch title, but the yeah, I totally didn't think of that. The, the funny thing about the uh, you know the history of our experience with the PS4 is that we share the first inter uh, like encounter with it, right? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, we uh, we had a mate uh, who <laughs> pre-ordered and was lucky enough. Like, uh, I mean, I would have loved to jump on that, but I was 16, had no money at the time, and you were in a similar boat. Uh, it was all exciting. We got midnight launch. Uh, picked it up. What is this, you know, piece of UFO hardware (laughs) we're looking at here? It looks so sci-fi, so futuristic. How cool, you know? Um, The controller, those, those triggers, mate, those, uh, vibrating, uh, dual shock engines, man. Oh, very, very, very nostalgic at this point. I think, um, talking about those days of of the PS4. Um, but yeah, w- one game in particular that we were playing a lot of, and it was a PS Plus game from memory. So you basically had it for free-ish uh, straight away, and this game was developed by Housemark. Yep, Housemark. The title is Resogun. That's it. How fun. So, Resogun. Very so I, I never really played I played a handful of Housemark games. I think I played Dead Nation before that mm-hmm. on PS3. Um, there was also Super Stardust and and things of that nature. But Housemark have always been about the high score chasing, you know, arcade style. You could you could picture yourself going into an arcade and actually playing this with a joystick and stuff and, and pumping quarters into the machine. Um, but yeah, it was very, you know, one thing I've got to say about this was it was the first time I saw a game and was like, this probably couldn't run on a PS3, not in the way that you could, not in the way that it was actually being played on the PS4. You know, you had the PS4 speaker saying things like save the last human, um, as you go about the levels and pick up all the humans and, and save them all that you had all the particle effects that they were advertising a lot uh, around those days, like this is why you need a PS4, the, all the particles on the screen at once just couldn't be handled by the inferior PS3 technology of their 250 megabit megabyte RAM or whatever the, they had. You know, you had phones that were faster than that at the yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, so what did you... It, it, uh, and another thing is just like 2013 if you told if you asked me like what was my favorite game of that year it's so it's so crazy to think that uh i would choose resogun and the only reason i choose resogun is because it was on ps4 at the time yeah part you know earlier that year i would say 2013 was one of the best years of gaming 
There was so many good games. You had Bioshock Infinite, Last of Us, Grand Theft Auto V. All came out that year on PS3. Yeah. But it didn't quite get to PS4 until years after that. So, uh, yeah, it's just it's 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 pretty funny because I would not put Resogun above those games. But... Right. Yeah. Only only because <laughs> you know we're talking just about this generation. If yeah, you had to include last mm. generation, it would be much tougher. Um, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Gun, I picked that too. Yeah, obviously that was like <laughs> the, the only real choice, I think, um, because it was such a standout um, experience on launch, and it's a shame that their next game, Returnal, isn't going to be a launch title. Um, House Marquee or House yeah, Marquee, I agree. you say it, because uh, that yeah. was really cool. That's like a third-person um, uh, kind of retro, uh, not retro. Uh, it like looks a, very different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Looks- Metro. Mm. I think it's like a a roguelike. That's the word. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be very eerie right? and yeah, interesting themes and <laughs> just like a third-person shooter roguelike is just it's like just sounds great. Like just picturing it, I, I don't think there are many games mm-hmm. that do that. There's a lot of first-person shooters that are like that, but third-person kind of team-based stuff in a roguelike fashion sounds really cool. Uh, but yeah, Rose again, I, I resonate a lot with uh, what you said, especially like the yeah the lighting effects and the, and also that arcade. Um, kind of feel that they that they express through their games. Um, as you said, it could yeah very easily have been um, a game that you played in Time Zone or Tons of Fun or whatever the Gal- Galactic Circus, whatever the arcade you, your local thing was. And um, it, it clearly is a throwback in some respects to those earlier games. I think those earlier shoot 'em ups. Um, and also, I love the way that the, it changed the style of it. So it was kind of horizontal in terms of the way that you moved through the levels. Um, and I think they also put a lot of updates into it too. Like they didn't just leave it uh, as, a, as a launch kind of thing. They did update it with a, some meaningful stuff. Um, and yeah, that's like you, you could really play that for a lot of, uh, a lot of hours when nothing <laughs> else was available. So, And we certainly did that. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> All right, so I'll, I'll give my 2014 pick and you tell mm. me if this is... Uh, this is the same as yours, because now we're getting into some divergent territory, perhaps. All right, so it's, it's the first full year of the PS4. That's just right. But we're content. also including just like last gen games, not just PS4. Um, right. Xbox and Xbox One. Yeah. Hundred I mean, percent. If they had any, then yeah, they might be in here. Oh, <laughs> I mean, Rise, Rise, Son of Rome. That was pretty. Oh, pretty riveting gameplay, right? Oh yeah, it's a nice movie. Um, Twenty fourteen. <laughs> I picked Shovel Knight. Um, yeah, I really like this game uh, because it was such a, again, a th- I love the throwback to kind of the classic uh, platform. Like my first ever gaming experience was playing Super Mario on the NES. And so platforming is like very, very much associated with what I think the point of video games are to die, to try again to try a different way of jumping and the platforming genre is yeah a very very uh holds a special place in my heart um and shovel knight was so good because it really took no uh you know there's so much of a of an, a mantra in today's gaming development uh cycle where you've got to make it easy you got to make it you know like you can't ever make the player feel bad is essentially the the goal and i feel like shovel knight was sufficiently challenging to not make you feel like you couldn't ever beat a certain part of a level but it was you know challenging enough to make you want to try again um the progression in terms of like buying new powers and skills 
was forgiving enough that you could sort of, um, you know, still push through the, the tougher levels and the tougher boss fights. And also the way the game's story culminates in a quite an epic boss fight at the end I really liked. Um, so, and I'm not really counting the DLC because I haven't really played much of the DLC, but just the base game on its own was just really, really good. I really enjoyed uh, Shovel Knight. So what did you pick for... Did you pick that for 2014, or did you pick something else? Uh, although I really love Shovel Knight, um, and I probably like if I had chosen it for my list, I probably wouldn't have put it on 2014 because I didn't play it until it came to PS4. Um, I think the following year. But hey, um, I think that's one. Uh, I really love it. It does hold a special place in my heart. Um, it like because it kind of feels like a game that. Like, yeah, it could have easily been on the NES or something. But it also feels this void, weird void in me that I'm like, I missed out on those games. So it's like playing that is a way to kind of, re uh, yeah, regain some ground almost. Yeah, um, it's like, but, because it's done so well as a, as a callback. So you can kind of get a uh, an experience of what that era was like when that's all there was, right? Yeah. I recommend jumping into the DLC, by the way. Like, the characters that they introduce are so different from yeah. your base Shovel Knight. Uh, I remember the Spectre Knight, really cool. You could dash, and it uh, unlocks a whole new way to traverse through the levels. Um, different story and everything, but yeah. And and the fact that that, that was all free yeah. is it's just a cherry on top. Because oh. that, yeah, they just, they really... Um, Age that like a fine wine, that game. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Unlike this game that I chose, uh, <laughs> in the form of Destiny. Uh, <laughs> that's it. All right, go on. Why, why uh, is that not age like a fine wine? <laughs> oh, jeez. Do you, want me to get, do you want to get me started? Do you have a spare hour? Uh, I'll keep I'll give this very brief. More like um, a cold beer, just just sitting on the bench. <laughs> it is like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like, you know, like, some whipped cream that is just like slowly oh. <laughs> <laughs> falling apart, getting flat, going yellow, uh, becoming less and less appetizing. Uh, <laughs> like a browning apple sitting on sitting on the fruit table, just being big yeah. for once. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the the reason uh, Destiny pains me so much to talk about was because. Back in the day, back in the 2013 beta days, the 2014 release, um, it was really special. It was it was something new. Bungie were doing something different other than Halo for the first time since Marathon or something yeah. when they were Mac exclusive in the 90s. So uh, it brought a pseudo-like... MMO experience to consoles, and yeah, I don't know if I don't know if anyone, any of the listeners can tell, but I'm not uh, primarily a PC gamer, so I missed out on WoW and I don't know bloody Blade and Soul and Black Desert Online, all all those fun games that people pour hours, hundreds of hours into. Uh, this was my first, uh, yeah, encounter with that type of game, and. You know, coupled with its phenomenal gunplay and the the comparisons I found with Borderlands as well in terms of its guns, it was so various and unique and that treadmill was just so tantalizing because you could 
acquire so many different guns that would expand the way that you can play the game. Um, you really felt special, really felt unique when you were gifted a loot drop and you found out none of your friends actually had that gun and it was a really special one, maybe the Galahorn, maybe something like that, uh, that helped you in, in the raids. And the raids were something completely new, completely just leveled up that experience of like the small strikes and, um, you know, this, the training, it was almost like the whole game was training for these raids uh, so that you could, you have to play at your best and you have to bring your, you know, your best team and it really rewarded the cooperation of your team as well. So instead of, wow, World of Warcraft with its, uh, I don't know, 50 player raids or something, Destiny was really limited to six players. So that in itself was, a, it's very different. It's a very much a bite-sized version of what a raid could be or or something. But I felt like with uh, Destiny 1, how they were able to really pull off raids with mechanics that were so unique to its setting and the what they were trying to to kind of yeah tell you with it and stuff was really cool so yeah and okay so the reason it it, it uh fell off the bandwagon for me so i played it i think i, I checked my time on it, it was like something like 500 600 hours wow. uh constantly yeah it was it was the game the game i played that that year of 2014 i suppose oh no wait it came out at the end of 2014 so it was like yeah that was just the beginning so it was more 2015 uh and 2016 so obviously uh online service they were um keeping in touch keeping keeping it updated the entire time and it was all good they did a few questionable things along the way which didn't really sit right with me in terms of taking away game modes that were in the game previously didn't feel right. It yeah. felt like we paid for that game mode that I really enjoyed the last weekend, but this weekend it's a new one that I don't really fancy. I just want to go back to what we were playing the last weekend, but right. no, it's not there. This is the idea of the constant cycle of um, changing in and out game modes. Uh, yeah. I can see an argument for it, but my argument is it was there. Why don't you leave it there? Yeah, it's like a limiting option so that it's uh, more special when it, it it is there. But Destiny was already so limited, I think is what you're getting at, in the, that it needed more modes. Right? It would have just been nice to just have it always there, right? Yeah. 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 So that, and, and then, you know, to, to, to kind of really build off of that is they made the raids redundant eventually. So if I'm looking at WoW, which I've never played, the way I'm seeing that is it's it starts small. You know, in 2004 when it came out, it was a, it was maybe one raid or something, and and then each year it just builds and builds and builds. And that first raid, you can still go back to, you can still, um, you know, enjoy if you want and stuff. But yeah, eventually in Destiny, they just kind of like took the first raid out. They put the next one in. This is what you're doing now. It felt really manipulative. It mm. felt really, uh, yeah, like there was an agenda there that they wanted you to play it this way on th in this season or whatever. And right, it's like, right. Sort of being like, yeah. uh, poked into it with like a, a pole by Bungie. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
we'll give you this, we'll give you that. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It, <laughs> it had a lot of good stuff going for it. Iron Banner as well, which was that seasonal uh, PvP event. It mixed PvP and PvE really well. And yeah, like I, I really enjoyed Destiny 1. If you want to hear my thoughts on Destiny 2, I, I guess we can go into it another day. But uh, essentially, uh, I feel like there should never have been a Destiny 2. Boom. Giving a mic drop there. All right. Well, we'll get to Destiny 2 another time. But um, <laughs> yeah, this I'm... is on the, the games we hate. The <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah all right yeah, we, could, we, could, we could organize that one for sure um yeah destiny i think i agree it's it's a very mixed bag and i really thought bungie did a really good job in terms of um taking what they learned from halo and as you say that the first person shooter mechanics uh of you know everything in terms of the combat um was all really good it was like like really, really good in terms of uh, being a console exclusive for, a, for for the first few years as well that it was actually out. And it's also worth mentioning that, again, we're talking about games that thrived during the last gen. The reason why I think Destiny did thrive in the last gen, as you kind of alluded to, is that for the PS4, I mean, you could get it on PS3, but you were missing out if you did. Like this was a PS4 game in that it really did show you what the PS4 was going to be capable of in terms of lighting effects and animation um, and that added social component of being able to dress up your guardian customize your emotes all that mmo shit that as you say some people some gamers had already experienced that was that was just another bonus novelty for people who may had may have never had that social kind of experience in a game where you genuinely are making friends and it's purely on the basis of we need people to do this next raid or we need to uh like there's an incentive within the game that makes it very easy to just like start talking to people and just and just start doing activities and i think really people appreciate that side of it too and i think that can't uh, it shouldn't be uh left unsaid you know just that that was a very ambitious project and certainly you know, they had their moments of just being. I think a lot of um, a bit more honesty really could have helped the the uh, the Destiny yeah. project. A lot more honesty and less sort of marketing bullshit would have been good. Um, <laughs> but just just talking about the launch of the game, yeah, I do feel like it was it was very noteworthy, especially for the last generation. I don't think you can really talk about the last generation without mentioning Destiny, um, and. Yeah, I think in, where it's now, where it's at now, we'll talk about it another time. Uh, but yeah, it's certainly a bit of a shadow of its former self because it really did have a big chunk of the market when it was coming out those first few years um, because people were really excited about it. And you could argue about why that excitement went away. Was it because Bungie made a few moves that, as you say, you know, upset people, frustrated people? The DLC pricing for the content arguably was a bit off a lot of the time. When you consider the Shovel Knight that we just mentioned was all free. Yeah. And that was an indie game. Yep. Like, you know, so it's worth just pointing that out, I suppose. Um, but what did you think about, um, just staying on Destiny maybe, just what did you think about yeah. how the game did the did the raids? Because that certainly was like the best part about it, I think, for most people. Just having these large-scale fights. It really did make the experience of kind of grinding through the story if you even considered it a grind right um yeah what what was the best part of the raids what, why did you like them so much 
Yeah, I guess it, it kind of touch on, touches on what we were talking about before, being a kind of fresh experience um, for me. Never, yeah, never really like before that. I played COD, like that was my multiplayer game, team deathmatch, like I don't know, domination, and it was just really mindless. It, you didn't really need to think. You just see a guy, you shoot him. In this, it was more like. Uh, don't shoot just yet. We're all gonna be ready. It was oh, I don't know. It was just it was so many good times, yelling at each other, whatever, you know, yeah, yeah. getting a bit heated. But it's all you're all working together towards the one win state. Right. And it's it's you versus the game, and you really just had to bring your A game. You had to be switched on. You need to hear your calls of when to shoot, when you're supposed to be doing the thing. Uh, yeah, especially that uh, Vault of Glass, like, you got yeah. the platforming. It was just a really nice uh, bag, mixed bag of lollies of of really everything you, you could ask for. It's different strategies on how to do different segments of it. It was long, but not too long. It was a nice, it was a really nice way to spend, like, a Friday evening with the boys, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. just, you all hop on, <laughs> and you, you log in, and... All the grinding that you've done before that, you know, in for, in the form of a story, but also, like, your bounties and your strikes and, you know, just trying to roll the dice as many times as possible to get the best weapons as possible uh, for you to be really geared up and ready to take charge in this uh, big mission, big cooperative mission. Yeah. But, yeah, I know you had a bit of... You had a bit of issue with... Uh, how you linked up and and things like that like there was ever a matchmaking from the start that had to be patched in so there was definitely things to say uh you know definitely things to improve upon and and you know before we go any further in this there are no games that are perfect right like these are these are the games that we've really most enjoyed each year throughout the generation so we're definitely going to be singing its praises but we can definitely touch on its flaws on each of these games flaws as well yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I was just going to say, one of the nice parts about only having six people, you know, because, you know, maybe, I think that was due to technical limitations, but, you know, the reason why you wouldn't do 50 is because you can't, you couldn't do those, like, really tight puzzles, and, and um, uh. there, is there is something to be said for the fact that they they designed the raids around the knowledge that it would be six people, and so they made specific challenges that would be and it wasn't easy even like the combat sections you know especially if you don't have the the raid loot yet if it's your first run it's not easy at all to, to actually get through a lot of those those parts and so i think it's what you're describing yeah it's just the kind of being on a eight hour sometimes mission <laughs> with five other people you, you you i mean it's like trauma bonding in a sense isn't it it's kind of like we all have to suffer, we all have to suffer in the front lines and the trenches and now we've gotten this reward and we're all we're all we're all bonded through it because we suffered together kind of thing um yeah, yeah. And i guess especially with the way that it was initially really originally designed was like it never held your hand you yeah. know it was kind of like the idea that there's six of you, yeah, figure yeah, it out, you type thing. Out. Like, yeah, the, yeah. we don't need to give you a marker, we don't need to give you an objective, and eventually, you know, obviously that just gets blown wide open, and um, people are sharing their techniques and tactics. Anyway, but uh, hey, maybe that's a, 
that was a nice side effect of um, not having much information to give the player. Yeah, and I think that's why, regardless of what you have to say about Destiny, it's it's a milestone for the console uh, gaming world. It's just because it brought that experience. Um, I just think they. I think in, at the end of the day, they just really handicapped themselves because they were just they were just so ambitious in their marketing and the ten year plan. And it's like just just make just keep just focus, man. Like I I, I really like the No Man's Sky approach, honestly, where they just don't say anything. They just completely shut the yeah. fuck up. And they just delivered an update yesterday or something that was like the whole origins, where it's like so much shit for free again. It's like. Uh, look, I I gave those guys a lot of shit, um, I, especially because I just thought they were, you know, you know, just took the money and ran kind of thing. But honestly, they they have shown how dedicated you can be um, as developers, even when the community just won't stop shitting down your throat, and they still just stayed. They put their heads down. They just made the updates, and so I would have liked if Bungie took that approach with Destiny. They could have really, um, they could have really. Um, done some really major updates that were like that were that felt meaningful and weren't overpriced you know i think people just felt really jibbed by a lot of the updates and stuff but yeah that's all right as you say well it's gonna be perfect and yeah yeah true and well yeah i mean and that was the story like when we were um when we were uh playing back then it was like Oh, but Bungie doesn't know how to make an MMO. Let's cut him some slack, right? Like, let's let's be a bit patient here. Maybe they'll figure it out. But as time went on, it was like you're paying for this the content, and then the content becomes irrelevant, or yes. they just you can't play it. And that's the thing that really boils my blood. Like, oh. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I it's can, just I it's been, it's. <laughs> All right, give me, give me. Can you hear it? <laughs> I can hear it. I can, I can smell it. Give me your, your twenty fifteen uh, pick. Beautiful. What have you got? You want me to go? You want me to go first again? I did shovel night that time, so you, you do twenty fifteen now. Oh, true, true. We'll, we'll, right, we'll alternate. Right. I'll do twenty sixteen. All right, sounds good. Sounds good. All right, all right. So twenty fifteen. Uh, this was actually the first year I actually got the PS four. Uh, I think. Yes. No. Yes. Not bad. Yes, yeah, so I think I got it 2014 for like Christmas or something. So um, 2015 was the first year I had it. And there were a, f- a fair few good games. This is when the, the console was really kind of finding its stride. And um, a lot of uh, exclusives came out that year in the form of um, Bloodborne and The Order, I think, was that year as well. Because yeah. that got delayed and it was supposed to be a launch game. Right. Um, but I'm talking about another exclusive, which still remains exclusive, I believe. Um, and I think it might be something you have, perhaps. It's uh, developed by Supermassive Games. Um, really came out of nowhere. Um, and surprised a lot of people. It's originally meant to be a move game. And this game's called Until Dawn. So, Until Dawn. This is a game that is very similar-ish to the way Quantic Dream made their games before that. Um, Interactive, movie, cinematic, uh, choose-your-own-adventure. Those types of games really, really uh, tick the boxes for me. 
you know, I kind of think of the uh, when I was a kid, I used to love the Goosebumps books of Choose Your Own Adventures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, flip to this page if you choose yes. And it's like, yeah. you know, the story felt a little bit more personal. Yeah, there was something. And yeah, yeah. A little bit more personal. It was like a little bit unpredictable, and especially this game, very unpredictable. Um, the I guess I guess just the premise of it is that a bunch of teenage kids go up into the mountain, the Canadian Rockies, uh, for the night as a reunion, uh, and as the name of the game suggests, it takes place over the span of one night, so they have to really survive until dawn. Uh, and and throughout the game, it will update you how many hours are left until dawn comes and saves you from the horrific events that are happening that night and with all the supernatural um, entities roaming around. The Wendigos. And, you know, the Wendigos. In, in uh, traditional teenage horror story fashion, uh, you know, you've got your love interests and... Um, the the naivete of of the youngins and the overconfidence of some and you know they get split up. There's about what eight of them, eight eight teenagers that were all very kind of likable and so. um, a lot of really good actors in there too. Hayden, Pen- I'm going to butcher her last name, but Hayden, uh, she's really good in that in that one. And and what's the other one? Rami, Rami Malek. Yeah, Malek. Yes. Uh, so, oh, I, I, just one more thing. Are we going to f- uh, full-blown spoiler these games? Like, we don't really care. Like, you know, you've had your time. If you want, yeah. I <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 um, I just yeah, wanted no, to know you, you like, could, where, I, where I could stand. No, yeah, you, you, could, you can get some spoils out there. Um, I'll just say, yeah, Until Dawn was really interesting mm. in that, yeah, it was kind of campy and silly, but it really did juxtapose that with, um, with you know, characters really dying there really being consequences yeah. for your actions the game can end in like a multitude of different ways depending on what characters are alive who you actually like end up uh, sparing and getting or surviving at the end and uh the way yeah as you said like with the story how it plays out with rami um you, you kind of have these interluding scenes where you you're not sure where you are and it turns out you're like you're, you're in rami's head talking to his like psychotic personality and oh, shit. Dude. um so that's yeah the that just reminds me the, the end of the game gets real twisted yeah. real fast oh, and yeah, yeah yeah you you think you've seen it all but you really don't and uh yeah no the butterfly effect i mean that's what you're talking about that that feature that was in the game um i think yeah they, they did it way better than heavy rain and beyond because it just felt like a more a tighter experience yeah. um and yes, what you said, everyone can die, everyone can survive. And it's not like there's one opportunity for someone to die. There are multiple. So you need to be on your game. Do you remember the uh, don't move mechanic where yeah, uh, that was so you, you, had to, you had to keep your controller st- as still as possible oh, yeah. and within the, the outline because if you didn't, you're going to like crack that twig and let the Wendigos know where you are. So Yeah, and it should, yeah, be, that, should be pointed out like the sound design, especially if you played it with headphones. Like everything oh. about the sound and the... Um, like I still yeah, am haunted by like hearing the sounds in the other room like of like when the when something happened you hear like that ringing yeah dude oh my god it's haunting 
Yeah, definitely. I, I, unlike, unlike my previous choice in Destiny, this game is like timeless. I, c- I could give this to my grandchildren and they would get a kick out of it. I'm sure, you know, like it's it's a really nice experience. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, maybe when they're of age and a yeah. little bit older than the cuties. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> but very replayable, and very the the thing that I uh, I think should be touched on as well um, is that it's a perfect game for non-gamers yeah. because it just controls so easy. You don't need to really know how to move a camera. You don't really need to know how to move someone. It's kind of um, choose this, choose that, with movement embedded into it. But it's not the main form of progressing through this game it, it, it can just it could be a uh, couch experience with like eight people when everyone plays as a different character uh yeah it's right. a, and and you know I, I remember playing with my my sisters and they they all loved it they still talk about it to this day like how good until dawn is and like no, that's how much it, fun man. it was that's, so. that's the beauty and, of those games is that you can you can really bring someone into why the gaming experience is ultimately more interesting in terms of storytelling because you really do feel like you're participating but it's the most mechanically bare bones um thing where, where anyone can you know uh flick a stick when they're prompted to um and it's yeah it's yeah. absolutely the the beauty of what those what those storytelling experiences can do because because they're so mechanically bare bones they could spend all their time having these branching storylines and um all these alternative scenes like I love it when it's a lot to ask of a developer to do this, but I actually love it when there's a game where like there's content that I haven't seen and I've and I've played through through to the end. Like just by virtue of one character dying or surviving, I've missed out on a piece of content. Like that's really cool because that adds replay value. It really does emphasize the idea that your choices matter. Um, and another game that does similar things like this is Life is Strange, but that's sort of it's i think the horror genre there's something to be said about the horror genre with these types of games specifically because you can really create that tension as you say with the don't move mechanics like life is strange is very kind of chill mellow and even when it tries to be intense it kind of misses the mark a little bit um so there's some something to be said about anyone being able to pick up this game and feel the the absolute shitting their pants tension that you're not going to get from a movie really because you're you're involved you're playing it and characters will live and die by virtue of what you do and yeah that's really cool it's a good pick yeah so it's it's far more engaging because of that as well and yeah i mean i remember playing it at your place and like finishing it in a night uh even though it took all night but uh we got there that's what i was referencing just having my head on the bed just hearing in the other room like it's like a character was getting fucking wrecked or something (laughs) thanks Uh, (laughs) Dale. all right so yeah shout out my 2015 pick uh here I'm not going to say much about it at all because I've already spoken about it on this show, and it's The Witcher mm. Wild Hunt. So that's ah, oh, of course, yeah. yep. I had to pick it. Uh, yeah, since we are doing no, games, it makes sense. games of the years kind of thing. Um, if we picked just oh, interesting yeah. games, there might have been other stuff to pick, but um, yeah, I just feel like that RPG was so revolutionary in terms of changing the open world genre, innovating it in a way that now other games have taken from that. And I can't wait for Cyberpunk, baby. Don't delay it again. Don't do it. (laughs) 
I think it's definitely coming out. We're within. Uh, we're we're within uh, two months now. Do so. you think that'll be the first next gen experience like that you'll that you'll get potentially? You know what? It's interesting that you ask that question because. Uh, it, it most definitely will be on next gen, like one purchase, oh, sure. whatever you know, you get it. Yeah, it has to be. And like, if you're getting a PS5, you would want to play it on that, uh, given how beautiful it's looked from its uh, its showings and stuff. But oh, yeah. because I'm one of those guys who keeps getting distracted by different things, or you can't just bloody nut it out. Uh, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> There's just so much to Witcher 3 yeah. and its DLCs that are sitting there. So I feel like if I were to jump on Cyberpunk straight away, it, I might do the same thing and just leave it there. Who knows? But the good thing about Witcher 3 is that it is coming to PS5 for free That's if right. you already own it on yeah. DLC. Yeah. So maybe that. I remember... Um, uh, saying to people, oh, I'll, I'll play Witcher 3 when it gets HDR support. And it got <laughs> HDR support, and it, I played it for a bit longer, but then got distracted by something else at the time. Uh, it, it's, this is it. This is it. I'm going to dedicate myself to Witcher 3 on PS5. I feel like that's going to look amazing. It's going to run really well. Well, let me just Hopefully. say, though, like, uh, I don't even blame yeah. you for not getting into it because the, the Witcher's Wild Hunt, I think the biggest fault of that game is that, um, you know, the storytelling, the cinematics, all of that, uh, characters, dialogue, it's all impeccable. It's all really good. The problem with it is that they had to import a PC inventory system and a PC combat system into a, vi into a console game. Um, so it's really that, like, you know, you even feel it when you play it. The combat's a bit uh, a bit sluggish at times. The wheels don't really work in the way you want them to. And, um, yeah, of course, the inventory management is chaos. It's just crazy on, on it with a controller. And th I totally get that. That's totally fine. I don't think... So. I hope Cyberpunk doesn't... I think that they're making that more with consoles in mind. So I don't think Cyberpunk will be... Well, it was... I could be wrong, but it was their first game on console, Witcher Three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Witcher, yeah, that's right. Oh wait, no, no, no. Maybe, maybe two was on Xbox. Maybe two. Maybe. Uh... I could be wrong. But yeah, they have more console experience now, so they're probably better fitted, better suited to deal with, um, yeah, the PS5 architecture and stuff. I would love to play Cyberpunk, honestly. I think that would look that would really pop on a on PS5 with 4K, uh, with its neon setting. It yeah. I I say this now. What I what I just said. Like I'll 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 do Witcher 3 before Cyberpunk. But I mean, don't hold me to that because Cyberpunk is looking very very uh alluring. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Mm. Uh, apparently, Witcher 2 did come to Xbox One, but I don't think it came out like at the time. Like, a, there was a oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of version, I think. But came later. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The point I think being that Cyberpunk hopefully is going to be much more intuitive for a con for a controller for a console. Yeah. Hopefully, anyway, we'll see. We shall see. Keanu yeah. will tell us in time. Yeah. <laughs> in the Matrix, he will tell us. Yes. Okay, 2016. Beautiful. 2016. 
I hope Woo! this is uh, I hope this is your pick because this is a game that you introduced me to. Um, oh jeez! It is of course the rhythm uh, arcade uh, uh, blaster. No way! Amplitude. Yep. By Harmonix. That's right. <laughs> not Super Mario. <laughs> not Super Mario Run, which I could have picked. Um, Jeez. Which is a classic. I would not have. <laughs> um, no, I picked... I, I mean, come on. This game's so good. I, I got so many hours out yeah. of this game. Um, it's basically... If you haven't played it, go play it. It's basically the best rhythm game, I'd say, in the last uh, 10 years. Certainly, like, if you're a fan of Guitar Hero and stuff like that, this is a really, really fun rhythm game. It's got a nice variety of songs. It's not too rigid in the genres. And the whole idea of the, the mechanics is is that, you know, Guitar Hero, you play essentially every fret at the same time. So you're playing the whole song. But with Amplitude, you play one aspect of the song. And so it exaggerates that aspect. So you could play just the vocals or the bass or the uh, or the synths or the or whatever. And it really feels like you're you're composing a song like as you're chaining all the rhythm all the beats together so i feel like it was just a very innovative take on the rhythm genre and harmonics did that again with their vr um the vr kind of rhythm game called autica that came out uh on the on oh yeah playstation vr but uh yeah i really like this game and you introduced me to it so what do you have to say about amplitude yeah well, for one, I totally forgot it came out that year. Oh. Uh, you've just reminded me. <laughs> uh, yeah, that makes sense. 2016, yep, Amplitude. Like, when I'm looking through... The way I, I, I just Googled it, 2016 games, what came out, and Amplitude wasn't there. It's it's obviously one of those hidden gems, oh, um, yeah. given given the exposure on Google. <laughs> That's it. Um, but yeah, so much fun. It's so addictive. It's that high score chasing game and the way it was like, it put the leaderboard up. So you and I had a, a bit of a rivalry. Uh, I'm not sure who's oh. ahead. Maybe, you got I don't it. know. There's, there's like, uh, you and I, we're, about, we're like top 10% and you're like top nine or I'm, you know, you're 9%, I'm 10 or something. We're really like, I think our skill level is almost on par with that. Yeah. It's a, it's just really, it's a really fun game to to battle it out on, you know, uh, I can imagine other people would have their Tekkens or their yeah, yeah, uh, their Guitar Heroes or something. Yeah, it's like for sure. that where you, um, you chase the high score and you, you feel like you feel get, you get addicted to like getting better and like you know yeah. not missing a single chain and then upping your difficulty and then doing it again. It's one of those games for sure. Yeah, especially with the higher levels and the chain. What you're saying, like um, you. When you go through the track, there's like a path you want to take for to like maximize the amount of notes that you can get, but it's high risk, high reward as well. So if there's like a lot of notes coming up uh, and you want to tackle that and you're on some sort of a multiplier, you know, better be on your game oh, to you get all those notes. Feel that heartbeat. You got to so. finish off finish off that segment so that you can lock it in and actually gain that score. Otherwise, if you yeah, stuff up that one. So that was like an interesting mechanic that was never seen before in a guitar hero-ish type rhythm game. I mean, I say that because, yeah, it's... But hey, like, Amplitude was a PS2 game. And yeah. I remember, you know, saying this to you, it had Blink-182 songs and things of that nature back in 2003 that I still haven't played. I, I, I would love to play that on PS2. <laughs> it would be such PS2 a blast. 
we would be we'd be so natural at it yeah yeah, uh, it it yeah. certainly be worth playing. That's the only thing. Like, it doesn't have very many rock songs or anything like of that. That's that's that probably nature. its yeah, downfall. A, a, a blink one. Like it, it could style. it could definitely benefit. It could benefit from uh, a multitude of DLC packs. So, yeah, like here's your punk pop. Here's your heavy metal. Like, you know, you've got a good foundation for really any song ever, but they just choose to do what they want to do so that's fine but yeah it could be it could be so much more expanded upon um yeah for sure yeah and, th- and that was that would say uh, yeah. is the one downfall of the game is that they just didn't do any dlc only that's like, the only one they could have yeah. they could have really rode that out i feel like that was such a popular game um for people that liked hey, it and yeah who knows it's, it's, it's probably what what i just said before right it's a hidden gem maybe it didn't sell so well. Maybe they they were considering DLC, but they decided against it because there wasn't many people who were actually adopting the game. So I don't know. Could be something like that. Could be. Could be. Um, but uh, what have you got for twenty sixteen, mate? Yeah, I went for something well, pretty much completely different. Oh. And hit me. Uh, this is where it starts getting hard for me. <laughs> okay. This is where it starts getting very like. A close second, like I had, I had a, so, so Final Fantasy 15, I never play, never actually finished. I do want to play eventually. Apparently that gets good 100 hours in or something. So <laughs> that'll be, maybe I'll bust that out because that's a part of the PS Plus collection. Um, Final Fantasy 15, which is one of the many benefits of this collection, you know. True. It's, it's there, it's ready, it's waiting for you. You don't really need to buy any uh, PS5 games at launch anyway, right? Like, just to kind of touch on what we if were talking about before. With, uh, P- with uh, <laughs> old games, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you buy a new console some, for uh, old yeah. games, why not? If you want yeah, to play yeah. Battlefield 1, perhaps, yeah. Oh, jeez. I don't know how that could actually make the list. How did they make the list? I don't know. It's so weird. Yeah. It's so random. Um, uh, something else that came out that, yeah, was Bioshock Collection, but yeah, we try not to choose remasters or collections and stuff like that. Um, a close second for me that year, very close, would be Doom. Doom 2016. True, yeah. Was awesome. That was just like blood, uh, and it's not my pick, but, uh, blood curdling, mm. like, fast-paced action, heavy metal soundtrack, dude, like, you put, put on that soundtrack, like when you're working out and you will do mm. 10 times better. You will really, uh, Satan, Satan would be summoned through you <laughs> and you will gain all of his strength. So, you know, listen with, at your own risk. Um, but I went for, and I don't know if you can actually guess what I actually went through at this point. Uh, it's, it's a game that is developed by an Audi dog. Mm. And it's very tried and true to my uh, pedigree of games that I I like to play. And it's in the form of Uncharted 4, uh, A a Thief's End, I believe. Yep. Yes, awesome game. I think it's it's actually quite controversial. A little bit, it's a little bit controversial. Like, a lot of people didn't like it, but uh, I think it was generally well-received. I loved the first three and this one just took it to the next level this was the right. first one on a, on ps4 uh introduced so many different things 
one of the things wasn't the best, which was the dialogue choices, which really made no difference and just felt really out of place in the game. But aside from that, I think it played wonderfully. It introduced the grapple hook. Yeah. It introduced... It, it really fleshed out Nathan Drake's story and his relationship with his brother, which was really not mentioned in the first three games at all. Uh, so that was very interesting to see a bit of backstory, as well as the fact that he's the oldest we've seen him in any game. Um, so to have this, he's like got gotten to that um, lethal weapon stage. I can't remember that yeah. guy's name, but he keeps saying, I'm too old for this shit. Too old uh, for this shit. What's his name? Murdoch or something? Yeah, I think that's right. I, I can't. Yeah. Um, but let me because uh, that's yeah, yeah the interesting thing about it is that I I haven't played the Uncharted games but I do appreciate them from afar um, and with four it took the series in a different direction because as you said it went deeper into Drake's story it added a layer of realism to what was happening as opposed to the first three which were a little bit more about the adventure kind of thing and never really got into the more deeper. Uh, grittier aspects of it and so is that what you're saying when you say it's kind of controversial in terms of the the different story themes that were in the fourth game as opposed to the original trilogy yeah it's possible you know like um it's just, i mean consumers are just hard to please in general like if we gave if they uh if we were given an uncharted 4 that was really just an untri- uncharted 3.5 like you know it's uncharted on ps4 now you know same sort of Here's the treasure. Go capture it. There you go. Happy days. Blah blah blah. <laughs> yeah. It's real like pop popcorn yeah. kind of action movie type deal. But right. yeah, I mean, you got to consider. So the Last of Us came out in between three and four, and the Last of Us was a real and probably would have been my 2013 choice. Um, uh, it was a milestone for the studio, yeah. right? In terms of just doing that. Yeah. So that, raw and. So, that, so the, the thing with Naughty Dog, and I'm sure you can re- even relate to this, is like, it feels like they've matured with us. Yeah. When we were younger, we were playing their games in the form of Crash Bandicoot, yeah. Jack and Daxter, very silly, very, you know, cra- there's, a, there's an advertisement for Crash 4 uh, mm. in Japan, which I which I watched, was, I, must have, I think I might have shared it with you, but it was like, uh, this mascot, and he's just like doing his dance, humping the air, and <laughs> it's just so un- unashamedly Crash. So, and hey, look, th- this is a nice segue into this game because Crash actually made an appearance in Uncharted Four. Did you? You never played this one, yeah? Like, you never actually? No, I didn't play. It's it. crazy. Oh, it, it might have been. It's one of my well, favorite actually, moments. Know the, yeah, the scene where they're on the couch, right? And, it's yeah, it's yeah. so nice. It's just so wholesome. It, this is the first game where it really explored the relationship with right. Nate and Elena, yeah. and how their married life goes, and you know, just life at home. Oh, Nate, he's going back. He's Elena doesn't want him to go on the treasure hunt thing once again. You know, it's too dangerous. You're getting old, man. Like, let's just settle down, have kids, blah blah blah, and. It's so interesting to see that because he, Nate, is obviously still struggling with the fact that he knows there's a treasure out there. I don't know. It's like, some, <laughs> I wish I remember. It was like the Madagascan treasure or something like that. But, um, yeah, yeah. you know, and she just wants, she's like the journalist who just wants to like stay at home and write and like uh, grow old together. Settle down. And yeah, it's, it's nice. It's, there's a lot of really nice, like cozy, wholesome scenes 
in that. And when Elena brings out the PS1 and and how like Nathan Drake's like he's reacting to it, say like, "What the hell's this old tech?" and "What are you doing to me?" and <laughs> I'm glad I haven't seen that for so long, but it always gives me uh, it always warms my heart because it's just such a such a nice scene and uh, yeah the fact that you can play in it uh, play Crash inside the game and have Nate react to it uh, real time and complain I mean, about how silly the, it is. The master came out, so you know that was the only way. To yes, get yeah, <laughs> that's so true. Right. Yeah, because at that at that point, uh, Crash really seemed to be lost in yeah. the cloud, lost in the in the Matrix. Forgot like, who owns him? Can he even come in? He wasn't in PlayStation All-Stars, right, uh, as you remember. Yeah. Um, but but if there was one now, he would definitely be in it. He would be on the front cover because he's really <laughs> made his resurgence, as we all know. Uh, but maybe that was the precipice for it, you know? Maybe that was just like the, the writing on the wall. They were able to... They, they, showed, they exposed him a bit in, in Uncharted 4 and... Maybe ran with it there, but uh, <laughs> who knows? Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, another thing that was really cool was the Madagascar chapter, which uh, allowed us to be a lot more free roam. That's uh, something that I think a lot of people uh, criticize. They say it's just really, you know, out of character for Uncharted to do that. Um, it's only one chapter. Ultimately, it's, ultimately it's linear apart from that. I, I don't know. This is where I go. You can't really please everyone. You can't. Yeah. You know. You know. You but I really appreciate well. it. <laughs> like that. Yeah. You shouldn't Do ever your own try thing, to man. please like, everyone. Yeah. It's never the never should no. be the goal. No. Hundred percent. So yeah. And then you know you're able to drive around, and this was a pretty uh, substantial segment of the game, which was driving around Madagascar and really seeing the beautiful landscapes of you know that terrain and stuff so very very cool the dialogue because it was there a problem like just a bit too cheesy or at times and stuff like that is that yeah i think so yeah i don't think the dialogue made a huge difference at all so it was kind of like there for not a real purpose it was like yeah it it had no purpose It, it was just there and it was like, I just remember one of them was like, which game do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about one, two, or three in terms of like what? Because uh, when Nate meets, uh, re- rekindles his relationship with his brother, his brother's asking him, what did I miss out on? And, you know, you can talk about the El Dorado or the ring from two and whatever from three. So it was like, we could just, why don't you just, say what you want to say like, why don't you just say them all or yeah, yeah i don't know like why give the player the choice here it just feels really weird it feels right. really out of touch it is weird in a way um, when a game like that does do that because yeah you're kind of very aware that no choice has any impact it's just sort of like uh agency for the sake of agency even though it, it it doesn't it won't maybe there's like an alternative line that the that, that his brother says but other than that straight on to the next topic like there's no bearing on where the conversation actually is going to go right yeah i'd like yeah exactly like they could have gone full blown with it and tried to have it where it was a choose your own adventure uncharted but I don't know, man. Like, the entire franchise was like, this is our story, we're going to tell it to you, sit back and enjoy. 
Um, so they should just keep keep rolling with that. Um, but hey, like uh, one thing that is said about this game was that it was in a little bit of a development debacle with like it was split up and you know half of the team was working on that game half of it was working on the last of us so yeah, right. it wasn't like you know the full potential of what naughty dog could really bring with uncharted 4 true okay um, but still game of the yeah. year nonetheless for 2016 nonetheless yes oh and the multiplayer was awesome too i totally forgot to talk about that yeah no i played um a little bit of the multiplayer that was fun the grappling hook stuff was really cool actually the way that they introduced that. Yeah. That, it added a different way to get kills. and I thought the maps in the multiplayer were really catered towards the grappling hook as well. Mm. Um, it added a whole aerial element to the, or dimension to the, um, to the game. Like what you're used to looking at is like all on the floor, on the ground and very eye level. But this one was far more vertical in its nature. So, yeah. Very cool, very cool. Nice. And I think they made the the multiplayer free eventually. Anyway. Yeah, they did. Um, so twenty seventeen. What did you What do you got? Mm, okay, this is where it starts getting really. Uh, this is where the games that I'm choosing uh, uh, not only having an impact on my enjoyment of the game, but an impact like on my life outside of games. And oh. 2017 was a very big year. Mm-hmm. I would say it's almost on, it's almost on par with um, with 2013. Yeah, uh, this is the first year of the Switch. So if you wanted to choose Switch games, now they're on the table. You might be. Uh, uh, might you, be prob- you probably did with that. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. So uh, other games that came out were like Nier Automata, which I didn't get to until years later and, and really enjoyed. Ah, oh, yeah. And Horizon Zero Dawn um, and Resident Evil 7 as well. That was like another game. But these were all like runners-up for me. Well, didn't right? quite... Am I, well, am that's I... my game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that's the one I chose. So, <laughs> um, No, 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 that's fine, that's fine. So yeah, like just a bit of backstory with me and Persona, like... Oh, and even JRPGs in general, it was like, before that, I had played Persona 4 Golden on Vita. Prior to that, no experience. It's just voidness. So I'm really like this uh, gamer that's it's really Pokemon? Uh, sp- sprouted out of uh, Australia. No, no Pokemon. Right. Wow. I ne- so I never actually had a Game Boy. I had a DS, but I was playing... I was playing other games. Nah, I didn't have a time I got to. Is that a JRPG, mate? Yeah, it's what? Kind of like a JRPG for a little... For uh, happy, I, happy okay, yeah. What, what, about, what about Child of Light? I mean, that's probably something yeah, that gave yeah, me a little uh, bit of... Yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it um, helped me with my JRPG ways, so... It tickled your yeah, I mean, uh, appetite. I, <laughs> yes, it, it wetted. Yes. With an H the appetite so uh yeah i played persona 4 golden uh these are very long games and i mean maybe that's why i wasn't so attracted to them in, to them in the first place they're very japanese very weeby uh wasn't sure if that's where i landed on the spectrum you know did i where, where did i land and after playing Persona 4 Golden, like, I just, I was in love. Like, yeah. 
I think I played that at the right time because around the time that I finished it was when trailers and stuff started coming out for five. Um, completely different game, completely separate. You can jump in at any entry point of the series. It's like a Final Fantasy. Jump in at 15 and you know what's going on because these characters have never been in the game before or whatever. So, um, yeah, th there's like one underlying theme across all the games, but inherently they're different stories and different things that they want to tackle. So with 4, they were uh, a group of high school kids, very cliche Japanese anime stuff, um, but they find their they have a, an ability to jump into the TVs, into, a, into this one specific TV, actually, and, and when they're inside the TV, it's like, there's this whole realm, and it's like a, it's like a bizarre pseudo universe of reality, but it's not, and you meet people there that are from the world, but aren't, and they're the worst versions of themselves. So it's like, you know, it's the same sort of uh, philosophy in Five, where they are able to use a smartphone app instead of a TV, and they jump in, and they're like... Scooby-Doo Mystery Inc. That's the way you should probably think of them. Um, they take justice into their own hands after they figure out that they have an ability to change people's lives in the real world by stealing their heart. And that's exactly what Persona 5 does. Like they, um, it, it's, it's, it's really good that I'm actually replaying the Royal at this point because it's like the um, definitive edition of it. And it's a nice game to fill the, the gap between... The kind of weird, uh, quiet period we find ourselves in right now, yeah. and the you know the huge carnival that's coming in November. So mm. uh, it's something something to yeah keep 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 myself busy and um, yeah I think uh, okay so there's so much there's so much about this game and to touch on how it impacted my life outside of the game itself was. And I have a little bit of an anecdote here, which is, uh, yeah, it's pretty coincidental almost how it happened in my life. Mm, um, okay. So in 2017, I was still working at the place that I'm at now, but at the time, there was, <laughs> I don't know if I should say more about the game first. Um, <laughs> so there's bad people, there's bad people in the game, right? And as kids... It's very empowering almost because you're able to take justice into your own hands and to be able to make a huge difference in reality as kids, as, as people who generally are looked down upon, looked, as at, um, looked at as immature or you know, not knowing what they're talking about or doing, but when they're able to go inside a victim, or yeah, a victim, a suspect, their palace, and to see how they view the world. So, for instance, in the first palace that you enter in the game, it's in it's it belongs to a PE teacher from the high school that they all go to, and He's been and how they. And how he's been watching cuties. Uh, it's that. It's 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 the abuse of it too. Like, um, 
how he viewed himself as the king of the castle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that is that is like the the um the analogy. And when you dive into the into the palace into the metaverse is what it's called. You see that, and it's just so messed up for him. The king roaming around the palace, it's par for the course. It's normal. Uh, but for these kids going into it, they're like, wait, wasn't the school here? What is going on? There's a there's uh, Mr. Kamashita here, and he's running amok. He is really just uh, doing... So, yeah, they realize that's how... <laughs> yeah, they realize that how he sees his, his crimes, and he sees them as really nothing. So yeah. to take him down in the, inside that palace would then mean a change of heart in real life and uh, a full confession of his crimes and just a fully reformed person, right? And so this is where I bring it to real life, where unfortunately there's no happy ending with this in a way, but uh, I was kind of stooged into... Uh, lending money to um, a person at work who claimed that she had dog. Uh, she had a sick dog. Uh, she needed five hundred dollars, and uh, you know all of her bills were kind of due at the same time. So it really just caught her out. What of, a coincidence! <laughs> what a coincidence! Uh, so you know, me being the the guy from like you know very naive. Uh, what was I like twenty uh, at the time, and just. Yeah, I wanted to help people who, yeah, you, wanna, you know, yeah, were in like, some sort of strife. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you want to extend the, extend the olive branch and uh, help, you know, I got money. I just worked, like, uh, a lot of public holidays over the Easter weekend, and I think she saw that. So, you know, this is how her mind's working of, like, oh, I can get money out of this guy. And, you know, just, just very, very silly, very stupid, very naive of me. I didn't realize, and no one... I mean, I wasn't really helped by my co-workers, but they didn't really, they didn't really uh, let me know that there was a monster lurking yeah, in the yeah. in the bloody workplace. So yeah, anyway. That would have been handy. But yeah, no, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't say that, uh, you know, it's necessarily <laughs> naive because it's like that, it's like that, it's like that age old thing, like where, you, you know, you get burned and then you just, you just see the whole mm. world through, uh, but I would, but I would say like, no, you, you did, you did, you tried to help someone. Uh, and it like it sucks that you lost the money, but uh, like it's on them at the end of the day if they want to if they want to keep lying to people. Like how far is that going to get them in the end, right? Like just just to say, oh, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't think I don't think you should be that uh, guilty about you know your a, a desire uh, to help others. You know, it's still it's still an admirable righteous impulse. To... <laughs> yeah, and look, it's it's still it's still a trait I have today. I just I know the warning signs a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Got to keep yeah. an eye out. Uh, a little more guarded. <laughs> <laughs> you can't really trust. Can't really trust everyone. And look, I I think everyone has the ability to be good. Everyone has the you know it's in their nature. But given the story of Persona Five, it really highlights the fact that uh, you know we all kind of lose our way from time to time. And when we do and we pursue the wrong path for so long, that just becomes so second nature that it becomes us. And we be, we become the bad guys. Yeah. And that's really the ultimate lesson from this, from this game in a way, right? Like it's, it's like everyone has the ability to, for a second chance, everyone has the, has the capability of rehabilitation. So, uh, 
if you're able to jump inside their cognitive landscape and <laughs> steal their treasure yeah. <laughs> uh, in any way possible given our human limitations then do that you know what i mean like uh, I, don't, I don't mean go out and uh, hurt people, but if you're able to go out and change I, uh, people's hearts very harmlessly. <laughs> Elon Musk's Neuralinks and then just start planting them on people and <laughs> hacking them. <laughs> yeah, I'll just, I'll just create my own army while yeah. I'm at it, right? <laughs> my own squadron of uh, <laughs> of these phantom thieves. No, it's so, so like, you know, just yeah. the game gave you a, a, a kind of metaphor for how those people might be living in their own heads. You know, like kind of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then, so th so yeah. there's like a boss in the game as well where he uh, sucks money out of people and oh, he views everyone as an yeah. ATM. So that's why I was like, wow, that's the way she sees everyone. That's so sad, you know. And and yeah, like what you said, like the money, the money's hers, but at the same time, the repercussions were probably not worth it. Would you would you pay five hundred dollars to lose all your friends, get kicked out of your workplace? and to, you know, uh, really uh, leave a sour taste in everyone's mouth. Yeah. I mean, if that's if money's worth that much to you, then go for it, right? Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, that's the weird thing where, like, people, some people just have the attitude that's like, yeah, you can just lie. It's like, well, yeah, you can if all you care about is, like, short-term <laughs> material gains. But, like, people don't, it's like they don't think about reputation being like a thing like that people will remember hey this person is not reliable when you know the time comes because yeah. ultimately those the, those are the people you you rely on are the reliable ones <laughs> to put it to put it in an elegant fashion um yeah so uh 2017 anything else you want to say there about persona no it's it's just it's probably one of my top three games of all time um especially yeah. with Royal it just now, the right? the yeah the, the effect that it's had on me is just is just very profound and something I could never like have never uh, would never have expected you know I, I was always excited for this game to come out and when it came out it it met those expectations and exceeded them so yeah not not a unhappy consumer over here you know very happy customer so yeah and I understand it's long but uh, it's you could view it as as something like a long book, and you can just kind of chip away at a chapter every now and then. Um, Twenty seventeen. <laughs> so yeah, I, I didn't play this on the Switch, but mm. of course it was on the Switch. Um, oh well, did this? Come yeah, that's right. You had one of those Fisher Price things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fisher Price is right. Toys, <laughs> Toys R Us, uh, the Wii U, of course, had one of those. Uh. Uh, cheeky. It's basically like a switch, like a pre-switch. Uh, yeah, it was. It um, definitely was. But now I'm just thinking if this actually came out in 2017 on the switch. I believe this. No, was... it did. No, sorry. It did. It was. It was a. It was a launch title. If if it's the game I'm thinking of. Yeah, I've got Breath of the Wild, Legend of Zelda. Yeah. But yeah. Was that... but... 2017. I think that was March or it was earlier. Yeah, yeah, but it didn't come out on the Wii U in 2017, did it? Why wouldn't it have? I don't know. I'm just for some reason. My I think brain... it, I think it came out on both. Okay. Uh, you must remember that that like period of the year, like the first four months of 2017, was just crazy. Like yeah. those games I mentioned before, and uh, the Switch was released in March. It's just yeah, it was. It felt like the end of the year, right? Normally, that's when all the games come out. 
But yeah, yeah no, for this I, year I think was... that's right. I think that's right. And we don't do research, so who cares? Um, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Legend right of Zelda. It, right it. Hey, let us know if we're wrong. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, <laughs> this was. I I just enjoyed this game because it was the first Zelda game I really played. I played Majora's Mask actually, um, as well. But yeah, it was kind of like um, you with Shovel Knight. This was just a way of like me kind of playing a series that has a lot of mystique around it, but never really getting to experience it myself. Um, and this was a really good one to experience because it, it really did make a modern game out of Zelda um, in terms of having an open world. And a lot of people didn't like it for this reason, right? They wanted the more classic linear adventure action game that, that Zelda typically is, um, especially if you're more of a fan of Ocarina uh, or of Majora's Mask, you're mu you're used to a much more confined story, a much more, uh, you know, somewhat open, but levels being more focused. Whereas this is literally just a massive open world for you to just explore at your own pace. But that's what I loved about it, um, because you really could just go anywhere you wanted to. There was no restrictions on like you know you can't do this uh mission or you can't do this like part of the game it was so open-ended that the whole point of the game was just to collect a bunch of shit so that you could open up the final level then face Gan ganondorf or whatever the hell his name is um you could show shows how much how much of a zelda fan i am but yeah i just i thought it was a, a really cool way to do another zelda game to really just um to just to just do one that wasn't a remaster. Um, it was totally original. Uh, the combat, I thought, was okay. You know, it was very basic, of course, and a lot of the enemies were very basic, but that's what you're getting with Zelda. You're more, you're more playing it for, I think, the immersive kind of exploration adventure aspect of it. You know, just gliding down a massive cliff and then um, doing some cool shit with your gadgets, with your bow. Uh, there's just yeah, there's a lot to like about it, and I think you you get your you get your like individual moments out of it, depending on how you played it, um, and depending on whether or not you're able to solve the puzzles without a guide, right? Like that's that's its own kind of fun, um, and yeah, I think it was it, it was a really thrilling uh, boss fight as well to end it. I think um, so. I really liked it. Did you did you play Breath of the Wild or any other Zelda games? No, the only, uh, yeah, the only interactions I've had with them uh, were at your place, I think, you allowed me to oh, played Majora's have a go. Yeah, yeah, I played a little bit, like the starting part of it. It's very, um, very campy and very stylistic and stuff. Um, what do you think I, it is? I, Why do people I, worship that game so much? They, they love the Oh, the, the, yeah, the franchise. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like, honestly, it does elude me because I... Uh, yeah, I've just missed out on a lot of Zelda games. Um, but with... it, I mean, it just kind of seems like there's a lot of nostalgia there because it's old and it it kind of uh, ticked all the boxes. It was something different to Mario back then. Um, it wasn't so much of a platformer. It was more of a RPG, right? And yeah. got stronger as the game got on and collect different weapons and stuff and and you know to talk about breath of the breath of the wild specifically uh it does seem really like the draw distances seem very impressive to me the fact that 
yeah, you could see a mountain in the far distance on the horizon and say, I want to go there. That's really cool. And yeah, like it's like it's almost like that choose your adver- adventure um, aspect of it because yeah, that's what it felt like. You can go where you want. You want to. You start off and you want to turn around and go the other way. You can probably definitely do that, right? Like yeah. And you maybe? And actually, yeah. the, the best part Absolutely. about it was that you spontaneously encountered the. I forgot what they were called, but they were like these legendary, uh, these massive creatures in the game that you would just stumble upon. And then it turned out that they were actually like levels onto themselves. You had to board them. You had to go into them. You had to capture the like spirit on them and fight it. Um, it was just right. very, very cool. Like very intuitive, no explanations. And then you would spontaneously, as you explore, come along cities and little towns. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, it was super good. I, I really think Nintendo did a good job with that. Um, but that's really all there is to say about that one. It's the Zelda game. You know what you're getting pretty much. Um even though this one is probably the most unique out of them all in terms of the modern open world uh, genre. Uh, 2018... And I think, I think it deserves props. It definitely deserves props for yeah, that. Absolutely, yeah, I yeah. think so. Uh, and so, and th- is there another one coming out? Like, it's Link's, uh, Link's Lunch or oh, uh, something's coming out. Link's Lunch? <laughs> uh, I think it's your breakfast. Uh, <laughs> that's um, Awakening? Didn't that uh, already yeah, come yeah, out? Yeah, 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 that's it, that's it. I thought there was yeah. another one coming and then, out. And now... Then. But I could be wrong. Uh, maybe. Yeah. You could. No, you could be right. Um, I'm not too sure. I'm not. I don't keep up with Nintendo uh, too much, but I do know that there's just like a a whole um, suffocation of Mario games at the moment, like yeah. with the remakes and uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, that's the thing that's really bringing me, uh, making me appeal to the Switch at yeah, this point. But maybe may, um, you might make the plunge. Oh, I've already bought. Um, the Mario 3D All-Stars, but I have no Switch to play it on. <laughs> I bought it because it's a limited release, what? and you can't actually buy <laughs> the game after March next year. You can't get it. Why? That's so weird. I don't... That's Nintendo for you. So, oh, well, hey, they got a sale for me. Oh, my God. Well, they know how to get Make you. something limited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Just make it limited edition. Did you get a couple of Mii's while you were down there, too? Or Mebos, Whatever the fuck Mebos. Dude, don't even what kids, kids love those, mate. Do you know, yeah, do you know the those? Skylanders. Yeah, the Skylanders. Those <laughs> fucking things. Um, are they still around? Are you kidding me? Um, I think the Amiibos are still popping. Yeah, for sure. Because you can like put them in Smash and all that. I think and Mario Kart. Uh, See, what would be cool is if if those Funko Pops could join the game because those are just cool by themselves. So if they were, had like an added feature yeah. that you could include them in the game, then yeah, why not? Use your, use your Wii U tablet as a <laughs> summoning portal and put them on there. Oh, like, oh, that thing is so, it must be, have so much dust on it now. It's just rotting in a corner. Um, well, yeah. 2018. You tried, you tried Nintendo, but luckily you came out with the Switch later. So we all forgive you. <laughs> yeah, that's it. If it was just the Wii U, man, if they just left it at that, oh my god, what a tragedy. Um, yes, 2018. Let's do that. So I actually think we might have the same one for this one, just because it was so fucking good. But you might, you might again, this is another year. It was a big year, man. It was. Oh, this yeah. is like uh, another another big year. So it was, yeah. this this is where I think I think it gets really hard. Like I think there's well, a lot maybe, of arguments to be made uh, in other ways. Maybe let's both do mm. an honorable mention first for 2018 because i got one okay. that i do 2018 feel, yeah i do feel is worth mentioning 
that is niche enough that yep. it's not going to be the you know game of the year, but I still play it to this day because it's really really good. Uh, Dragon Ball Fighter Z came out in 2018, uh, t- like February I think, so right at the start. And this yeah. game is, st- is so good, I think. It, I don't even give a shit that it's Dragon Ball. It's just a bonus that it, that's the IP. The, just the fighting game itself is so well made. It's the first, like, arcade side uh, scroller fighter that I've played mm. that's really been this good since, like, Marvel vs. Capcom in the arcades. Um, and the Dragon Ball IP is just a bonus if you, if you like that show. Uh, there's all the characters. They all have unique movesets. They're still adding characters to this day. They just added Master Roshi last week. Oh. So, baller. Love it. Really? Yeah. So, wait, but Kakarot's out, right? Kak- yeah. We got, uh, we got, like, four versions of Goku, Kakarot, we got Super Saiyan, Super Saiyan God, like, all the versions, uh... So, so they're, but yeah. they're two different games, right? Fighter Z and Kakarot. Oh, you mean the game? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. That's that's like a yeah. It's a different game. It's like a story based. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Okay. So it's not too weird that they're still supporting Fighter Z. No, no, they're totally different because games. This, and and Kakarot is yeah. uh, like kind of Xenoverse in the sense that it's not a pure fighting game. It's like oh. it's like an adventure game. Um, Fighter Z is just a fighting game. That's all it is. And it's yeah. so good at just that. It's that's all it's trying to be. It doesn't try to do any story bullshit. It does have a story mode, but it's terrible. Um, just yeah, get online, start fighting people. It's st- like it's still got an active online community, which is like not something you could say yeah. about like Mortal Kombat. I don't think. I think that's pretty much dead. So you know, it's 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 out there making moves. Uh, so there you go. What do you? What about twenty eighteen? You got, what so you got that, honorable mention. Uh. uh... I guess, yes. Uh, one. So this is like a runner-up in the form of God of War. Uh, oh, I see something. <laughs> oh, change there. That's, that's my number one, baby. So does that? Does that? Yeah, that kind of tells so, you a so little what do you bit think about, about God of War, then? my number one, maybe. Oh yeah, I loved it. So yeah, just to kind of give my thoughts before I handball it over to you. So God of War. There's just so many good things to talk about with God of War. So many praises to sing, right? Like, what a turnaround story. Like, prior to the 2018 God of War, it was... What did we have? We had just kind of the same same old Kratos. Um, not one of the games was that much better than the other. It was like, yeah, 3 was good and... Yeah. Uh, Ascension was like this multiplayer one in 2013, I think. So since then, it was really, the series was dormant. Yeah, it just went quiet. It went super quiet. And I think it clearly took inspiration from Naughty Dog and other Sony first-party exclusives, took a page out of their books, and really just turned Kratos around, like made him into a lovable character uh, with his boy. Uh, boy. And, uh, yeah. yeah, like I think... Uh, it's really fun, and that that the one moment in that game that really stood out to me was about halfway through when you get the Blades of Chaos, uh, mm. when you're used to using your Leviathan axe the entire time. It didn't, fe- and even with that one weapon, it didn't feel stale. It still felt like uh, there was more moves to learn and different ways to utilize the axe. Um, even out of combat, right? Like the puzzles and things of that nature. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. Like before God of War 2018, I didn't think much of the series. But now it's like 
this is an entirely new game. Everyone in the game was like purposefully put there for their purpose of like selling you things and having the little brothers, the dwarves or whatever. They're the like, yeah. little rivalry, and it's all yeah. It was fun. It was just a really fun game, um, and brought Kratos into fatherhood with uh, yeah his boy. So his boy. it gave him a whole lot more of a human side to him even though he's a god right he's yeah. not a human at all yeah but no, <laughs> yeah um, they humanized that's that's right they and, humanized and, a god yeah that's right and and, and insofar <laughs> as that was like worth doing because the first three games he was a kind of caricature he was a kind of just uh he lacked that human side but that was kind of the point of the games right he was just this uh unrelenting force that was bringing down uh you know the underworld and and taking and just you know causing havoc for the gods um and so yeah i think you're absolutely right they definitely santa monica definitely took a lot of guidance from that naughty dog way of like delivering the story kind of having these seamless cinematics blend in and out of gameplay worked really well in god of war the one shot yeah totally forgot about that yeah the one shot camera like yeah there's no cuts at all Mm. So no cool. cuts and yeah, just the gameplay as you said felt very fresh. Yeah, it's just so good. Like, I just didn't. There was never a dull moment. So that's why, like, I never really can pinpoint yeah. what. There's so much to love about the game, um, but yeah. the best compliment, compliment I give is just like, yeah, it just never felt boring. It just felt like the whole time you're always invested in what's happening. Um, Kratos is com- complicated enough as a character where he's yeah. That's right. You're like you can empathize with him, but also at times you're like, oh, just give him a fucking hug, man. Give him like <laughs> that kind of thing. And just where yeah. the game goes in terms of story, yeah, really allows it to be completely opened up into a whole new, potentially a whole new game series of different characters that we might be playing as. And that's all very fascinating to to see where that goes too. Um, so yeah, that was my pick for 2018. Do you have more to say about that, or do you want to give your pick? Um, yeah, like, well, just to kind of build on the so the story, it was it was super simple, right? Like, the yeah. story was to just get to the top of the mountain to themes, spread yeah. the mum's ashes. That's it. But, obviously, things go wrong. It's a story. That's why the story exists, right? <laughs> like, things have to go wrong in order for it to be interesting and for it to really play on the unpredictableness of your expectations and everything so and and Mamiya's head right like that that's so such a really cool thing like you save this guy's head from a tree you cut it cut the head off from a tree or something and then you like you wear it around your your arsenal your your chastity belt <laughs> yeah um yeah uh and and he talks to you he's like along for the ride like he's one of the boys and it's yeah. really cool, yeah. It's like, I remember when it was like, you just wanted to stay in the boat a little bit longer so that you can, you can, he can finish off what he's saying. He can finish off his, like, story of, like, Odin and what happened with the, the Greek god, no, Norse, the Norse gods, so. Yeah, no, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah you purposefully, cool. like, take more time because it was that gripping. And also, yeah. that's, that's the way to do it as well, where you have the main story beats and these very intense and graphically beautiful cinematic moments but then you have all this kind of 
like rich, uh, not not important, but really rich detail that you kind of drip feed in these canoe segments. It was just like they had a very good understanding of what this story was, how to deliver it. I would say the only uh, maybe downsides of the game, it's very nitpicky, but if you had to pick them, like maybe going back to the same areas a bunch of times, we could have gone to some other areas. Act 3 maybe got a bit sluggish in terms of like dragging on, going back to certain places again and again. Um, but ultimately, like it doesn't bother me because not when I was playing it, it wasn't ever a moment of like, oh, this is getting a little like boring now. It never, never felt like that. But just in retrospect, maybe a few things mm. could have been a bit tighter towards the end. But even the way the story ends, it's just like you could see that they are they definitely have a broader story in mind where we're going to be encountering the much more pr uh, prominent gods that we're aware of like thor like odin and who like given what they showed they can do with the first game um i think yeah. everyone's just very excited about like what they're gonna do in terms of maybe fighting those gods and that that would be like very very cool um yeah, I feel, yeah. I feel like they just, yeah, they just built up a lot of goodwill with this first one, so. Definitely, definitely. Like, we have full confidence in whatever they want to attack next, right? Like, oh, if yeah. it's a god of, god of, uh, boy of war or whatever, you know. <laughs> and you couldn't say that about the previous ones. I think that's the biggest takeaway is, like, the older ones, it was like, oh, I guess we'll just do the same thing again and, and yeah, wreck havoc in the underworld and, uh, hack and slash, you know, like like Kratos is good at doing. But in from from this point onward, it gets a lot more unpredictable and a lot more exciting to see where they will take it, where they'll take that game uh, in the series. But to talk about my number one pick, and I picked this yeah. uh, purely, it's obviously very tough because I had a lot of good stuff to say about God of War, but purely uh, for the for the way it impacted my life outside of games once again and having this like one year after the other in terms of Persona and into Rockstar's Red Dead Redemption 2 mm. uh, it caused me to take a big break from games and it was very much welcome it was very <laughs> much needed and so necessary why, why for character this, building how's it so good that it made you give up <laughs> well, Jamie, let me, <laughs> let me take you on a walk and, uh, you know, uh, so this game has come out eight years after the first one, seven years, and a lot of, a lot of expectations were riding on it and they certainly delivered, um, you're playing a different character from the first one. It's actually a prequel, weirdly enough, even though it's called 2. But other than that, it's more about the story and how Dutch takes you on his ride of yes. his just, like, his, like, mental sickness of, okay. you know... This, this is where we're full-blown spoiling everything, so, uh, it, you know... No whole, no bars have been held here. So, from from camp to camp, and this is another long game. This, you know, if you've spent, if you've tried to do everything in this game, it would easily take you over a hundred hours. Um, 
so you're taken uh, along these camps, these campsites. You're with your posse, and your goal is to like steal from a bank and get away with the money and live out your days in Tahiti. So it's always talking about Tahiti, this, yeah. Tahiti, that. I've got a plan. What's the plan, Dutch? Don't worry. Don't question me. Are you doubting you. your faith? You know, it's like it's like that. It's like, okay, well, he's got a plan. He's in charge. We'll go along with it. But then you realize as he drags you along, it's like he's really got no plan. And, you know, uh, maybe it's time to depart from the posse. Maybe it's time to look outside of this and to maybe see him as someone who's very much obstructing the path to success. Mm. Um, There's just so much about this game because it was so big. Uh, you have a horse that has permadeath, so you become really attached to the horse. If you were to ride it off a mountain and it dies, then, yeah, it's dead. Well, you can come back, but... The horse can't, so you need to like live out in this world without your beloved horse. You know, I would, I would rather it be one or the other. Yeah, that's or, like, a game you know, both. Is speciesist. It's <laughs> humans and not horses. Yeah. What is that? Yeah. Um. Look, I I think it, it definitely the story was slow at the start, it got better as it went on, and that was the thing that was very controversial at the time, like, oh, it's yeah. so long. A lot of um, reviewers at the time were feeling very stressed in finishing it as quickly as possible, so it felt like they were trying to rush through it, and maybe their opinions were based around the fact that they were rushed and weren't able to give their valuable time and effort into, you know, figuring out a... a better unbiased uh, opinion or whatever but ultimately it received really good re- reviews anyway um but yeah i think there is um the the amount of value as well in this game was just insane like for the one price of 60 dollars us it's like you got the season pass with it too because the epilogue was like two parts and spoilers it you play as, and you know this, you play as John Marston at the end when Arthur dies and your horse dies as well, so it was very tragic. Like, mm. yeah, your horse had to die at that point oh, in rude. the story. Uh, yeah, just ripped away from you. <laughs> uh, so you're playing as John, and it was, and for those who have played the first one, it's like, holy shit, this is like the prequel to the first, and this is how John gets his... Uh, you know, finds his way in the world and everything. You build a house. The game slows down heaps, but, you know, you can look at it from a very um, patient perspective and understand that the game's just taking you on its story. Like, it doesn't care, like, that you want guns blazing or whatever. And, you know, there are games for that. Uh, um, but, yeah, there's one quote that really kind of sticks sticks out to me. I wonder what you think of this. Um, this is towards the end of the game. It says, uh, people never change. They just become more of who they really are. And to me, that quote kind of means that although people will change, that is inevitable. Uh, I think the point is that may, uh, maybe it's hinting at a destiny type thing where destiny can't be altered, but 
but I think that it, it gives you confidence in in uh, tackling change and actually changing won't change who you are. So, like, you know, obviously things in your life, they're going to mold you as a person and build you as a character, right? So, but those changes were, like, meant to happen or, like, those changes were, like, there as a way for you to realize who you truly are. Maybe. Yeah. I've I've tossed I've to- I've tossed and turned with it a lot. I've stirred the pot on that one and I guess that's kind of where I land. Who says it? Is it is it John? I think it's uh it's honestly from memory, it's just like a quote that pops up on the screen as like one of the sad songs at the end is playing <laughs> okay. and I don't know, it just it really resonated with me because of that. Um but yeah, uh, the soundtrack's awesome too. Like very, uh, yeah. very western, very wild western. Oh, and uh, yeah, one more thing is that it kind of it it really gives you a nice uh, representation of life back then. This was at the turn of the twentieth century, and cars weren't invented, so everyone was riding on horses and and carriages. And th- so, at one point in the story. They build up a lot of notoriety in one area for being, you know, these bandits, these hoodlums. And they go, that what they decide to do from then on is to just skip town. So they, like, ride 100 or 200 kilometers east, uh, like southeast, and no one's heard of them. No one knows who they are. They can start a fresh life. And it's just like... What the hell? This is how... Yeah. That's so crazy. You <laughs> could leave. not do that. You, leave, you cannot yeah. do that in this world. <laughs> With social media and the way everything is, there's no way you could run away from who you were. Nah, but back then, there was. Getting, uh, and maybe that was, the, maybe that was the alluring part of being an outlaw. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Was, I mean, there was always right, that. It was like, oh. <laughs> shit gets too high, you just pick up. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. You know, Zuckerberg... <laughs> kind of fucking smelling you all the way across the world. Now, that's right. I actually said this, uh, I've said this to a couple times. Uh, yeah, it's like, you literally could just leave. Like, go, go go 50 kilometers to the next town and no one knows who you are. Just completely change your name, your whole personality. Yeah, it's, it's, it's completely wild to think if about If you it, do it right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So psychopaths definitely could thrive in, uh, in that world. Um, and yeah, Red Dead Redemption 2, man, I, it's weird because like I really did, I was excited for that game, like I love the first one, I really do like the story of the first one too, um, how it kind of teases you with uh, uh, a potential happy ending and then rips it away uh, and, and sort of killing, yeah, John in a very br- brutal fashion, and I think maybe part of why I fell out with 2 was because John... I didn't realize John was going to be relevant to that game. Um, I played it past the initial story, yeah, which was very long as well, like the whole introduction where you do get to meet John and you sort of start uh, with the posse as Arthur and you sort of start to get up to activities. But I just, I don't know, I just kind of fell out with it in that initial stages. Um, with, um, yeah. And, I, and the whole Dutch thing was interesting because it's funny to hear where that goes. Because A majority there. It feels like. Yeah. Like, like I, I, I feel like a lot of people actually dropped off. Yeah. 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 And like uh, the whole Dutch thing, I, I didn't <laughs> think uh, that he was that trustworthy. Like from the big, from the get go, I was like, this guy, <laughs> he's having, he's having a bit of a laugh. Um, 
And yeah, I, I just think it's a great game, obviously. Beautiful graphically. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, with the, really with the guard rays through the through the trees, the sun the sun rays and stuff. Like, yeah, yeah that was just and this, amazing. And there's a lot to love about it. As you say, you get massive bang for your buck. Um, and I probably will go back and play it, uh, maybe on the PS5. I wouldn't, I wouldn't push you for it. I wouldn't, you know, rattle your cages and say, why haven't you finished it yet? But, you know, it's the way it affected me. And, yeah, from then on, I, I just had a, a massive break. So my 2019... Like from my my picks from here on out are are, are uh, tough oh, because yeah. it feels like I didn't play much oh. of the games that came out. <laughs> Dude, okay, uh, I'm exactly both, the same. Both this year, both last, both this and last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. Okay, well, that that kind of bleeds us on into 2019 then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, give you a pick. Another another great year with a lot of a lot of good games that I didn't really get around or finish. Um, I, I have a feeling I know which one yours is, yours is. Um, mm. but you know you had Star Wars, Star Wars Jedi, uh, Metro Exodus, Resident Evil Two remake, Sekiro. They all came out last year. Control. Really great year. Like, I, yes. Oh, is that yours? <laughs> no. That's what I, Oh, okay. No, right. I was I wasn't going to mention that because I thought maybe you wanted to. I chose I chose um Death Stranding. I didn't actually finish it. I got I maybe played it for 15 20 hours. It seems more like a 50 60 hour game. I do want to play it. I have it on disc. I'm planning on popping it into the PS5 and seeing how that handles it. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> you know, with its backwards compatibility if that is a thing. I really don't know. I think it should is it 99% success rate? Let's see if Death Stranding's on there. Let's see, baby. Who knows? But I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, uh, getting back into it at some point. It's a very unique game. Like, that's one thing that can be said about this. You have never played a game like this before. The game runs like a delivery system. I guess Paperboy would be the closest thing on <laughs> the NES, on the NES or something. Uh, you, you play as Norman Reedus. Uh, you're in the mind of Kojima, which is just a fucking uh, nightmare scape of sorts. <laughs> you know, whatever comes out of his mind is really just what is going on here. Uh, there's a there's a baby that you carry on your pack, yeah, on your like getup. <laughs> yeah. uh, the rain that falls causes time to accelerate. So, like the 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 when it hits your body, you like age really fast. So it actually has a, um, it has a damaging effect on you. So you need to avoid the rain at all costs. There's like these invisible enemies that, when they are nearby, the baby that you're carrying in its like vat is like popping up and going there's something nearby and so then you need to like get away from the invisible enemies that will show its footprints without running because it's going to hear you so you got to hold your breath you there's uh you know all these traversal mechanics the game is not a traditional like combat heavy game it's more an atmospheric experience and that's what really draws me in uh they had a song by churches churches made a song for the game specifically if if you're never going to get around to the game i recommend listening to the soundtracks it's just it's super headphones on it's like super atmospheric and um really immersive so yeah not a whole lot to say about it because i haven't finished it but 
yeah, it's like you get uh, the Kojima package of right. uh, what you expect from a Metal Gear in terms of high-polished cutscenes with a lot of just supernatural elements. The baby, BB is its name, it, like occasionally as you progress through the story shows you glimpses of what it's seeing because it's hooked up to you. It's just like, it would make a great movie. It looks like you're, uh, a, a movie where he's like an astronaut and he's like exploring and d- making these delivery, uh, yeah, satisfying these delivery objectives and, Does the story, and things. And, uh, and progress? that's where the gameplay. Yeah. What do you mean? Like, like the story definitely progresses. Yeah. Okay. Cause, cause so, so it gets bigger. The, the scale of what you're dealing with gets bigger as it goes on. You start to move across the country. So Kojima has a weird obsession with America, and that's definitely shown here as well. Uh, you've got Bridges is the company, and I think you know that's just like a metaphor into you're building bridges and fixing, you're reconnecting America. That is the ultimate objective of the game and it's like you know that the game takes place many years into the future in a dystopian kind of world with the the crazy rainfall and everything so after the election Uh, (laughs) yeah must be must be uh 2021 yeah that's when (laughs) in the distant future very accurate (laughs) yeah 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 so the story is like um you ha- Norman Reedus has a sister who is who has a lot of power in this world. There's not many humans left, from what I understand. They've been wiped out, and you need to persuade your sister to do the right thing. But you want to get to your sister to like reconnect to her, but you can talk to her on a um, hologram talk. But you need to just get to her and like help her or, or something along those lines. It's, you know, there's there's this um. It feels like the game is like uh, a journey and there's a horizon that you're always kind of like looking towards. Mm. Um, like okay. what's over that next mountain. Yeah. yeah, I, I've sort of It can be repetitive, it, uh, but so can all games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I haven't yeah, you still haven't played it. I haven't played it yet, but um, mm. do people, do you think, because um, people kind of, disregarded a lot of the the content is just like oh it's a walking simulator but <clears> the truth is it's like <throat> if what you want is is more of a as you said like an atmospheric kind of um aesthetic experience and maybe you just want to i don't know yeah that's why i kind of asked about the story because if it has a story then it seems like yeah to, to, to completely just dismiss it because the gameplay is one thing um yeah, and, and Kojima does design his games to be quite unique anyway. I mean, Metal Gear Solid Five had that whole weird thing where you would kind of do these similar kind of missions, I think, to Death Stranding, where you would just sort of, um, yeah, like deliver stuff. And I think people were uncomfortable with that too. So maybe, I don't know, Kojima is going for something mm. there that a lot of people miss. Um, but if you like that, that aspect of kind of like what I was describing with Breath of the Wild, where you just kind of absorb yourself in the world. Mm. You're not really that goal-oriented. Um, yeah, combine that's that actually a the... good analogy. Uh, yeah. It's a good, it's a good analogy, because in both of those games, I'm sure, 
you feel lonely at times, right? Like it's just it's just <laughs> you out there and yeah. in the wilderness, and uh, yeah, the the music and BB uh, are really your only company, <laughs> like for ninety percent of the game. Uh, so yeah, yeah. It, it all feeds into each other, and and the fact that uh, it's it's online, but it's not like you. It's online because you can see other people's impact on the world the things, the breadcrumb trails that they've left, but not them themselves, really. So uh, you feel connected, but at the same time, you don't. And it does feel like a personal journey. Kind of like uh, Dark Souls in that respect. Yeah. And stuff. Yeah. Uh, Except for Dark Souls, like, it's very much populated with all the enemies, right? Yeah, yeah. I just mean uh, multiplayer. You could, like, you know, leave little hints and stuff. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so, uh, my 2019... What was your 2019? Yeah, my 2019 pick is a little bit, uh, I don't know, a little bit more... I don't think I could guess this. Mainstream. I don't think I could guess it. <laughs> I never, I, I, I didn't say it before, did I? I didn't say it? No, no, no. Because uh, as I was similar to you, where like, for some reason, 2019, all these really good games came out and I didn't play any of them. <laughs> um, but the game I did play a lot of, was a free to play battle royale I had to pick one of them oh uh yep do you think you can guess now yeah i think it's the the guys who made titanfall yeah apex yeah. legends um it's the Legendary. only only battle royale i played for more than a week um actually more than a day <laughs> i don't think i played any of them more than a day um and yeah, you, you played Fortnite for a week? Oh, yeah, no way. Yeah, no, that's just... It has to be, like, 12 to enjoy that. <laughs> I don't know what's uh. going on with those cartoon graphics. Um, but, yeah, I and I tried, you know, H1Z1. Like, we have we have friends that just were on that shit since the DayZ mod days of Battle Royale. Uh, yeah. They were loving it from the beginning. They were always be encouraging, you know, come on, come, come play some Battle Royale. It's so good, so sick. It's like, yeah, I, I, the concept is sick. Um, you know, just throw 100 people on a map and then last one survive wins, baby. I love that. But it was done so badly in DayZ and H1Z1 and PUBG in terms of the mechanics that I would just... I never wanted to go into the genre without the mechanics actually just being good first. So when EA, when Respawn came out with Apex, um, which I believe is EA... Um, yeah, 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 you're right. Uh, when they came up with Apex Legends, completely free to play, class-based battle royale with tight shooting mechanics on day one, um, it was just a lot of fun. So I got a lot of hours out of that, um, and it's really the only battle royale I've in, I've really enjoyed at all. You know, there's been a couple that have come yeah. out now that like Hyperscape, I believe, is one of them, um, and another one like a, a kind of like a sorcery one I played the other day came out. Um, and you know, they're fine, but I feel like it's now become like one of those genres where it's like a hundred of them and only really a few stand out as being like the ones worth playing kind of like with MOBAs, right? Like there's a hundred different MOBAs, but really if you're not playing League of Legends or Dota, you're not really playing, you know, where people are mostly congregating at. And I feel like it's the same. It's mostly like Fortnite, Apex, and I don't know. Is there another one in that list? Maybe PUBG. Tetris ninety nine. 
Tetris 99. Tetris 99. <laughs> of course. Well, hey, isn't, isn't Fall Guys a battle royale? Yeah, Fall Guys, you could put in that category. And, and, and Fall Guys is, a great, is an exception to what I just said because they actually took the battle royale thing and innovated in a way where it's not a shooter. It's like a obstacle course or it's a elimination. It's like a game show. Yeah, and that's really cool, actually. I love that. So that's that's actually an innovation, not just an iteration. So, um, But yeah, Apex yeah. was my pick for that year simply because... It's just what I played the most, and I didn't, unfortunately, still got to get around to Control, still got to get around to Death Stranding. Yeah. Um, which is fine. That's more to play That'll come. Hey, in the future. Uh, that's it. More to, more to play on your PS5, right? Like, oh, that's it. There you go. Power there, there's all, that, That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. That's the uh, thing. That, that, that's why I feel like it's a, it's a, a weird quiet period as well right now. Yeah. It feels weird to play high-fidelity games when it's like, why am I doing this when I could just wait a couple months and really get the true experience almost, right? Like, that's partly why Persona's so good. It doesn't rely as heavily on the graphics and the frame rate and everything. It's a turn-based game. So, um, you know, it's not going to look that much better on the PS5. It's not going to look noticeably better. So, yeah, it's a, it's a good one to, to play right now. You won't expect it to be that different in 8K, yeah, probably. Whereas oh. with, uh... Was with like the last 8K two, gaming, for instance, that might look pretty <laughs> good in 8K. So 2020, is that what we both picked? No way, no way. We 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 started it off and capped it off with the same game, <laughs> but uh, other than that, that we never had the same one. That's funny. There you go. Yeah. 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 I mean, well, I mean, and, and this year, I'm gonna pick for 2020. Is, like, honestly, dude, you, it feels wrong to even pick one right now. Like it, the game, the year's not over. There, there are a lot of games to come out. We we read some out before. Oh, Miles Morales. Possible, yeah, possible contenders. You think? I reckon Cyberpunk. Yeah. Crash Four could really surprise oh, me. Come on. No. Surprise what do you Earth? mean? What do you mean? Maybe. It's gonna be Mate, fun. Crash Four. Gonna be on the level <laughs> of a Last of Us or something. Last of Us? Yeah, probably not. Yeah. What? Okay. So what can top <laughs> topple Last of Us? Uh, Cyberpunk, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Assassin's Creed. Maybe, Valkyrie, maybe, just, maybe if that's coming out this year, or is that next uh, that Valhalla. Valhalla, yeah, sorry. That's uh, the one. Oh, Valkyrie yeah. is the other game that they're making now, right? Oh, I don't know. What's what's Valkyrie? There's, um, hold on, let me find the full name. It's, it's like by the Assassin's Creed people, I think. Uh, I just know about Valhalla. The, yeah, th that could do it. It looks like it's been inspired by God of War, in a way. I get a lot of those vibes. Keen, I'll keep an eye on it. Um, also, Watch Dogs Legion, perhaps? I don't think it would beat Last of Us for me, but... Demon Souls as well? That could be a... That could be a contender. Demon Souls could be... Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, they're, they're just updating the graphics on it, though. They're not really... It's not like a remake, a reimagining of the... Oh, no, it's it's a re... I'm bit, uh... Is it? I thought it was. I thought it was like a full remake. But uh, hey, I, I never played the first one, so yeah. Whatever whatever happens with this one, it'll be a fresh experience at least. Well, yeah, they're all pretty good, uh, pretty good. But I still think Last of Us too. It does. Okay, I guess it does feel a little yeah. <laughs> a little dodgy. But what what are you gonna do? Got to pick nah, something. It's fine. Maybe uh, Ghost of but, No, you're. Yes, I think that's a close second for me for sure. Yeah, probably just what about a you? surprise. Like, 
not expecting it to be that much of anything yeah. and yeah. Uh, it being really good. But yeah, I think you got to go Last of Us 2, even with all the controversy surrounding uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> all, the, all the manufactured drama about uh, what happened. Um, no, yeah, look, I, I think it's even like higher up on my list because of the fact that they were, mm. that Naughty Dog decided it's... to be bold in their storytelling and, yeah. and, you know, regardless of the fact that it definitely upset uh, some stands. Um, no, I think, it, yeah, I think it was a really ambitious game. I think you can have a lot to say about critiquing the writing, critiquing the dialogue, critiquing the themes. Um, absolutely. The length but of the game. The length of the, the length, um, the, the combat at points. But I think overall, it was such an improvement on the first game. It was such a uh, good iteration of the first game, graphically, gameplay-wise, um, just the way you'd like move through buildings and take down enemies, the way enemies responded oh, to yeah. you killing them. Um, you know, they would shout out their name or something. Um, and then you yeah. combine that with a story that ultimately was a bit polarizing because because of the nature of the themes, perhaps you thought they were too basic or it wasn't exactly what you wanted because the first game was more, the story was centric on Joel and Ellie. So it was a bit strange to have a more, more kind of uh, revenge based story that went deeper into the psyche of Ellie uh, this time around and introducing us to new characters that maybe you weren't open to, you know, <laughs> about who they were and what what was going on with their their lives but i think ultimately uh i really enjoyed it i thought it was great i thought it was bold um and i think regardless of all the criticisms you might make and i even make might make them myself this is just a technically executed marvelous game so it's weird to me that still people are like trying to reduce it to some complete uh like complete bungle or something that's really puzzling to me I, i'm fine with like critiquing the aspects of it but the idea that like this wasn't still this could have been so much worse like as far as i'm concerned oh yeah so oh 100 yeah i think i think you're right like it's, it's oh it's maybe it's not what you wanted it's yeah maybe too long or it yeah it, you had to play as not alley oh how horrible it's like i don't know man the way i see it is if it worked for you, it worked really well. And uh, the fact that the game, the first game came out seven years ago, and for seven years, you know, there's like fan clubs of Joel and Allie and, oh, Team Allie, and we love her, and everything. And like, so you can imagine, so yeah. it, it builds up, right? This, is, this has been uh, stewing away for seven years. And, uh, you know... When, when part two drops and we're going into it thinking we're fan club Ali or, or Joel and finding out that that just gets ripped away from you. Oh, by the way, your favorite characters, yeah, they're evil. They're, they're basically the bad guys of this game. The way I see that is that's fucking cool. Like that, <laughs> that is a test. That is a testament to like their storytelling, their like their ability to, because to, their ability to paint the characters 
that did such questionable things in the first game in a way that was like, oh, it's justified. Yeah, yeah, Joel can kill a whole hospital because it's for Ellie. Don't yeah. you love Ellie? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> what, you're going to want to kill Ellie for the sake of the hu- human race? Yeah, that's right. Like, and so I had to answer those questions. I wouldn't have wanted anyone... Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't have wanted it any other way, the way it, it actually panned out. Um, the fact that the, it was really hammering in the doubt of Ali, yeah. you know, the flashbacks with Joel, and yeah, I don't know, just phenomenal stuff. And I mean, that's just another game that forced me to take a break afterwards because no <laughs> other game after that could really like... <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I was just too emotional. Getting I guess, old, you need a, especially after the end of that. You need to take some breaks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need to take. It's a healthy. Few. It's yeah. healthy, man. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's like, what are you gonna do? At the end of the day, people just like what they like. They don't like what they don't like. Um, you know, it is what it is. I, I just tend to always like, even with like Mass Effect. Like I remember when Mass Effect Three came out, people were very upset oh, yeah. about the ending of that. I just always err on the side of like you can not like it, but at the end of the day, if you're so upset that you demand that they have to like change it or like or they don't have a right to, <laughs> like that was the thing with Game of Thrones too, where it was, yeah. like, it was like yeah, I get it, it sucked, but do we need to kill and lynch the two the two dudes that like yeah. that fucked it up? <laughs> like well, maybe. I mean, what would that solve? And so like. They're also responsible for the reason why it was great in the first place. It's like, yes, you can call him. That's the you can yeah. call him Neil Cuckman all you want. The f- the fact is, Last of Us doesn't <laughs> exist without him. The first game doesn't exist without him. The second game doesn't exist without him. Um, so you know, how cucked is he if he's making moves to make some of the most memorable gaming experiences there are? Well, I don't know. <laughs> he's uh, yeah. I I I just have. I just think as well, like as an audience member, as a, as the recipient of the of the art, I don't think you really have a right to say like it, I demand it to be, you know, ten degrees hotter and 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 a bit more well done in the center, please. It's like no, this is what you get. Like you don't you don't have yeah because we have a very sense uh, like as fans, I feel like we have a very uh, strong sense of entitlement a lot of the time, and I don't like the idea that you're entitled to anything other than you paid for a game and hopefully you like it. Um, but in terms of like yeah. story decisions, yeah. like, yeah, they're never, it's never going to be like it catered exactly to you. Like, Yeah, uh, that's so true. There, there should be a list of things that like you can legitimately complain about a game because it's broken. Because, like, you know, I go to do this and it doesn't work. Like, it... But... And so that's fine to complain about. That's... Yeah, it's a broken game. Like, Andromeda, the faces from melting off of people. Like, (laughs) that's not meant to happen. (laughs) But if if you take it with with this, it's like, yeah, the story decisions. Oh, it didn't go the way you wanted? Well, too bad. Like, that's their story. And you make a really good point. Like, that is the the most, uh, you know, salient point which is you only care so much because of what they did in the first place. So how about we just take a step back and realize that for what it is, you know? Um, And I think a lot of it does come from the fans from the first one who have been stewing for seven years. I mean, you and I are one of them uh, and 
we're able to realize this for what it you know the beauty the beauty in this game so um but yeah i don't know other people you know you take it a, a different way and you come into this game thinking and expecting that joel and Allie are going to continue their story uh with you know minimal interruption i mean you're living in some kind of fairyland if that's the case <laughs> You can't be carrying the expectations around well, like that. You can't be like, what, what, swinging that expectation dick. It's like, what, what would you... like? I, I feel like I would have been disappointed if they'd never answered those questions about the first game. And I feel like yes. a lot of people that got upset as well were only looking at the story decisions, um, the, or rather the story uh, beats, that, like in terms of what they were in the second game. You know, oh, it's just about revenge. Well, that's, how deep is that? Well, you're missing the fact that the... the <laughs> that stems out of the premise that Joel did this horrific thing at the end of the first game. Like you can't, you can't critique the, like, uh, let's say the credibility of the story. Cause when people want to say something like, um, Ellie would never, be, would never do that. Um, would never act that way because of her character traits of the first game. Well, yeah, maybe she wouldn't, or like she wouldn't behave this way towards Joel. She loves Joel, blah, blah, blah. but the whole point is that, yeah, but because of the events of the first game, how it ended, there's a massive wedge in that in that trust now, because that was that was the moment to tell the truth, and he didn't. So there's a there's a real question, and I would have been more disappointed. I would have actually been disappointed with Last of Us Two if it didn't answer that question. If it didn't actually, if it just was buddy buddy Ellie Joel fun time again. And I think we said this about other two shows. Uh, you know, that would have been just the first game. Does, yeah. <laughs> so what's the point? Yeah, um, yeah. With like, uh, yeah, upgraded or refined controls or something. I mean, you're so right. Like, if it didn't, and that's the thing. Like, who's no one's saying that? I feel like it's the vocal minority once again. Like, ringing the bell of like, this game sucks, and and Neil Druckmann hates women or something. And it's like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, <laughs> who's saying that? Oh, I'm so glad that they uh, addressed these questions. These questions that have been lingering for seven years. It's kind of like, yeah, well, they should have. That's what we expected. It's like, yeah. Yeah, right. Again, yeah. it's your expectations. I don't know. And it's also the idea that, like, oh, well, Joel was only in it for 15 minutes. But no, not really. Like, he starts it with him. It ends with him. His presence, hang, hang, like, is hanging over the entire game, as far as I'm, I'm concerned. Oh, yeah. Um, so it feels like... Yeah, the, people with the that, flashbacks... Yeah, yeah, the people that are ruthless with their criticism, they take it all in isolation, that, like, the second game... And, and, and maybe they have their yeah. own version of where the story should have gone, but that's fine. Make your own. <laughs> Shut up. Like, what is complaining about it? Do anything. It's, it's, yeah. But we are gamers, and at the end of the day, gamers love a complain. So that's it. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? We love a complain. But hey, we didn't do much of that. Uh, this episode, oh, I mean, we were banging the banging some drums. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we balanced it out. I think we uh, complained about a bit of cuties, but then we, you know, brought it back with some <laughs> some vintage games of this generation before we move into the exciting next mm. PS5. So you mentioned a disc tray. Did you get the disc edition? Did you? Uh, maybe so. Yeah. <laughs> fucking medieval ages. What's up with that? <laughs> Ah, uh, well, uh, <laughs> given, given my story, right, given my, my pre-order, my pre-order tale, oh, uh, I didn't really have, a, I didn't really have a choice. <laughs> oh, shit. 
That's what uh, okay, but, that makes sense. But uh, then, so it's really weird because I was wrestling with the idea of like, oh, digital or disc. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Like, I buy maybe yeah, ninety nine percent of my games digitally. PS Plus games or digitally. I wouldn't need to bother with changing a disc out. That sucks. That's yeah. just like a hassle. I'm with you. I was with you the whole way. But then something struck me like the week before the pre-order and I was like, wait, so the, yeah, the digital edition, that's like the first discless one. So the disc one is like the last of the disc ones. It might be. It might and I, be. it gave me a scratch of the head and I was like, maybe I want the disc one instead. <laughs> For that reason. It's okay. like a collector's item. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. So but hey. You've, I, you've I, given your grandchildren I, the disc. Oh, little sonny Jimmy. Back in my day. <laughs> uh, oh, look, look, look. Uh, don't come crying to me when I have <laughs> some games on discs that you want to play. I won't. Because uh, there'll won't. be no slot for your, <laughs> your sonny. Your no, slot would be all filled up. We are going to be slot free over hey. here. But you know what? That gives us a nice uh, dichotomy of the two consoles, right? Like, we can kind of say, give our thoughts on both. It's maybe a blessing in disguise. <laughs> They're exactly the same, aren't they? Just literally one is a disc. They really are. Why is one they $150 really more? You'd not imagine that's how much it costs to put in a bloody nah. disc tray. How crazy is that? Well, you got to think, if you've, if you've got the digital edition, how are you buying your games? The same as I do right? now on, on the store? Yeah, on the store. So PlayStation gets more of a cut from that. Like, they don't actually have to they pay get, yeah, any retailers yeah. to, like, sell their game. They get it all. So they're basically getting the money lost there back in their pocket as time goes on, as you buy more games. Oh, sure, yeah, I just think that's so egregious. You see what I mean? 150 bucks extra. Like, at least with the Xbox Series, it's uh, actually a better console. It's actually, like... The hardware is yeah, it's not just the disc disc tray, um, but you know, uh, as you yeah, say, collectors. That's item. a good point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was able to get some discounts too. Like, because oh. uh, I said I'm a Prime member, it, it said I got thirty dollars off, and then if I pay with Zip Pay, I get fifty dollars off. So essentially, it's oh. eighty dollars off on the console. Wow, which might pay for a new game. That's a half a maybe. disc tray right there, baby. That's like oh, yeah. oh, that's two, thirds, <laughs> two thirds of a new game. Now that they're a hundred and thirty-seven dollars oh, for the fuck. Are you kidding me, mate? Oh, I think they're uh, seventy US. I think but we've I been saw, paying seventy US. I think the last I saw was one hundred and twenty-five, which is like pretty crazy. Well, they haven't actually been revealed on the PlayStation Store yet, so we don't know how much that's going to cost Add Australian and all that. But yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah, so it could be cheaper on the store. Who knows? Hopefully. And just because I got a disc drive doesn't mean I'm planning on buying all my games on disc. Yeah, you have the option. It doesn't. I got options. I got options. <laughs> if I see, if I see, you know, sixty dollars for Demon Souls, and you have to pay a hundred and ten, <laughs> then uh, you know, <laughs> I think it's a pretty easy I'll choice. Be, I'll be eating my vegetables, won't I? <laughs> <laughs> Taking my suck them up, Sonny. Yeah. Yeah. There you That's go. it. That'll do it. Wow. That was a girthy one. That's a monster of an episode for you there with a bit of a recap of the previous generation of games that we enjoyed. So hopefully you go back and play some of those if you missed out. And that'll do it, Braden. Yeah. Uh, um, share some 
you guys should share some suggestions that we might have missed share out on. It all. Uh, yeah, you get a better idea as to what our tastes are. So yeah, and maybe give us, um, maybe you'll be recommending me some uh, JRPGs or <laughs> something else to change my life once again. Who knows? Anyway, we'll see you next time. I make my music, you know what I'm saying? I, Later, I, wanna, boys. I want to feel what I feel, but I, I want to feel that energy that I, whatever it was, yeah, that, that's all it is. Yeah. I, I make it straight from the heart. <laughs>